0: Blah, blah, blah. Bruno's <laughs> Podcast. Here you go. That's all we want but to dude, say. This, like. is, this is a tune, right? <laughs> this is this is a track. I was That's saying, what I'm talking about. I was saying to Dylan, listen, like, what is going to be? If you would be a fighter, what would be your track? And he said, this would be the track. Well, here you go. We have Dylan Warner in the house. How are you, buddy? <laughs> good. <laughs> like, this is like the most bizarre opening to any podcast. Uh, but uh, here I am. I'm... Uh, met dylan last year uh on skate par- in a skate park in a place called amplitude i think that's the first time i saw you no
1: i think the first time was at the trampoline park yes trampoline right. park and then you're like oh you skate because because i was skating with dom yeah, yeah, yeah and you're like yeah i skate meet you at and then i saw you at amplitude yeah, but yeah, i think we we may we hung out more at the trampoline park
0: it could be before that. De- I definitely didn't see you in Nirvana, I think. But yeah, because uh, I remember you tried to do that move. You didn't try. You actually succeeded. When you do uh, the, like, really uh, grab your back of your feet and push your. Um, oh, the rodeo. Yeah, yeah the rodeo. Yeah. I thought it was something cowboy themed. Yeah, because yeah, uh, our
1: buddy Gary introduced us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Matchmaker Gary is what I like to call him.
0: Let's shout out for Gary, and Gary actually did podcast yeah. uh, uh, like probably he's like fifth or sixth guest. Actually. Shout so out, so Uncle Gary. Woo! He's now in Ubud enjoying the uh, the peace and and tranquility. All your listeners really don't care. Not even Ubud, actually. It's Uluwatu, but no one cares. Yeah, you yeah, try. No one cares. <laughs> Anyways. Let's talk so about some
1: more stuff that
0: no one cares about. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> that's, that's, that's my podcast, basically. Right.
1: Easy, that's easy for me. I'm usually talking about things that people care about, that are all deep and philosophical. This is a nice twist.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's, that's actually, I'm just, I just going to be honest with you. I, I checked out a couple of the podcasts you've done before, and I feel a little bit intimidated. <laughs> it's like, this guy is going to be in my podcast now. And, uh, which is great. I mean, you yeah. said yes. And, um, persistence, <laughs> <exactly>. <laughs> how many times I was like, yeah. Dylan, could you come on my podcast, please? And he's like, Oh my God, this guy again.
1: <laughs> no, I like, uh, I enjoy doing, I've done a lot of podcasts. It's, it's one of those things that I say yes to more than most things because mm-hmm. it's always nice to kind of step out in front of a different audience. Cause my audience tends to be really niche. It's the yoga mindfulness or calisthenics. It's like, yeah. yeah. Really, just those types of people, and most of what I talk about on that it has to do with like either yoga or anatomy or breathing. Um, yeah, so it's kind of refreshing to be on a different type of podcast. Perfect,
0: and that's that's really great because I was I was like thinking what could we talk about, and one of the things what I definitely would like to chat with you, and I didn't really see people actually talking to you about is skydiving because you've done skydiving in the past. How many jumps have you done? A lot, but.
1: It's been, I I would feel like a bit of a, an imposter if I actually were to talk about skydiving because I stopped skydiving right about on the time when I really started getting serious into yoga. But I mean, it's, it's an interesting story why I started skydiving and why I stopped skydiving. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not that I necessarily stopped, like quit skydiving. I just kind of stopped doing it. Uh, I stopped doing it not very long after I started doing it. So maybe like a year, I think I was skydiving for about a year, pretty much only at Paris, California, which Mm -hmm. is like kind of a big skydiving place. It's where I got certified. Um, Yeah, and I would just go every week and try to do five to 10 jumps on the weekend. You Mm -hmm. know, do like as, as many times I could get on the plane. If I was just there for one day, I'd probably do like five jumps. And if I was there for two days, I'd do 10 uh, just if I had the time, but I, I really enjoyed it. And I think there was a lot of things going on. Are, are we ready for long stories? Are we, are we already stories. getting into yeah, that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I just find, I just also want to, if you could start with, how did you get into skydiving? What happened? What was that something you wanted to do? And just like,
1: so I got into skydiving when I was about 27, 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I started practicing yoga when I was 20, but I started practicing yoga in martial arts, and it was a very different intention. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably probably a, a similar reason to why most people go to yoga, which is to get more flexible. And so that's kind of what I was going to yoga, and I didn't really start going to yoga again. Like, I did that for a number of years, and then I kind of drifted away from it and got into rock climbing really, really heavy. I'd always rock climbed. I started, well, always, all, my, forever, eternity. I started rock climbing when I was about 13 or 14 years old. Uh, And then I got really serious about rock climbing when I was about 25 years old, where I was training four to five days a week, uh, more if I could, and climbing for like three to four hours a day. So really serious about it. And then kind of wanted to get back into yoga. One, just to kind of expand my social life, because I just felt like I lived at the climbing gym, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to meet some more people. so i started taking yoga classes again because i remember i enjoyed it when i was doing martial arts Uh, around that same time so a little bit before that i had started skydiving Uh, and i think i was also extremely unhappy in my life right and i was going through this thing that i see a lot of people like in their late 20s early 30s go through you know when i'm 42 now so when i when i see people you know, we, yeah. we tend to take the same paths often, like all people, because life offers the same type of challenges and though they may look different, we still perceive them pretty much the same and it's still the same internal struggle. It's still the, you know, story of humanity, mm-hmm. a story of, of growing and trying to discover yourself. So even though the stories are different, they basically all share like a same, a similar common thread. So I was really unhappy. Didn't know I was unhappy, but I knew that something was missing in my life that made me feel a little bit hollow or shallow or just in search of a greater need. I was playing in a rock band that I, I played in rock bands most of my life. Uh, again, not all of my life, but I started playing a rock band when I was like 13 years old. And I, whenever I'm back home in California, I still play with the same
0: guys. Like we're oh, nice. we,
1: we haven't officially broke up, but we... I yeah. still like to get together. That's crazy because
0: you see, I, I start seeing so many things, what we've done to get Like I've played guitar for a while. I played in a band. So start doing skydiving because I felt like something is missing. Um, I've done rock climbing, you know, for stunts, but even before, without stunts, I did a lot of that. So, you know, there's so many similarities. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear your story, how you got it, and why you did it. Yeah. And um, I could feel the same, like very similar, why I did skydiving, because I was like, I turned, just turned 30 and I thought I need something, I don't know, different, something crazy, something I never tried. And then there was some kind of void I was f- filling up, pretty much.
1: Yeah, I think that late 20s, you just start going after those cool points. Like how do I become more cool? Yeah. So I, I had a sports car, I had a blonde girlfriend, I was a firefighter paramedic. And so it just kind of made sense also to mm-hmm. start skydiving and I'd, I'd done martial arts and I'd done um, wrestling, I'd wrestled my, my life. Like most of my life as well, these are kind of things I've I've always done. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's just like I kept going after these things because I thought, you know, if I just add on more stuff, bought a house, uh, that something would fulfill me. Something would make me feel more complete. And so when I started rock, or sorry, when I started skydiving, it did something. It it made me feel like something I couldn't describe, mm-hmm. but it seemed to fill that hole. And so I was, that's why I was jumping so much in the beginning. I like as fast as I could, I got my license so I could just go and for cheap and do as many jumps on the weekend as I could. So that's what I did. I would just always go. And that was like pretty much my free time was, was jumping out of a plane. And then, um, around that same time or after about maybe a year into jumping, um, I started getting into yoga a bit more. Mm. And also at the same time that I started getting into yoga, I, I was feeling that what I was getting from skydiving was kind of fading away. Like it was losing the luster and it, w- it wasn't really doing what it needed to do. And, and it took me actually probably like a, a year or two years into practicing uh, a more of a spiritual yoga that I figured out what I was getting from skydiving that quickly faded away mm. and why I was being more attracted by something that was so slow and soft like yoga But it was still fulfilling that same thing. And it was, I I just had this, this huge hole and addiction and the whole, the the addiction first was for me to be anywhere other than here. Mm. That was my addiction. I would always gravitate to either like living in my past because it was so cool and fun or living in my future because like, it's going to be better. And the hole that I had was just being present with myself. Who, who am I now? And why do I avoid this so much? And the one of the things that, that skydiving do, does, and like a lot of extreme stuff, and you're someone that goes after the extreme, uh, is it makes you be present. Mm. And it forces you to do it without the intention. But like anything that you do often, like it, it starts to fade away. And, and skydiving started that that thing that I got from the beginning started to become mundane. Yeah. Right. Skydiving is... It's like the first time you go scuba diving, it's really cool. Yeah, you know, you're yeah. like, I'm underwater, I'm looking at all these fishes, I'm breathing. Uh, I still scuba dive a, a lot, but for me, it's like going on a boat tour, you know? You're yeah. just like looking at things. It, it, it doesn't have that anymore. And so you, you lose that thing that, that brought the extreme, and it just becomes, you know, something else that you do. But the difference with yoga, the, the only difference... And it's not necessarily indicative of yoga or, or some like a property of just yoga, but that, that intention to be present. Mm. And it's funny because it's such a silly thing, or I look at it now after practicing yoga now for how many, many years that I've been doing it. I mean, really since I was 20. But seriously, since I was 29, so I guess like uh, 13 years now, so I I look at it as it was a silly thing, but but back then it was something that was completely novel, um, yeah. And it it was so weird that once I started to feel present, like I started to understand who I was, mm-hmm. not who I wanted to be, and and that was a huge shift in my life, that I that I stopped chasing after something because whenever you're chasing after something, you're always thinking that your happiness lives in that thing that you're chasing after and then by acquiring it that it'll fulfill whatever that thing is in you that's missing but being present teaches you that there's nothing in you that's missing i came from like a judeo-christian background um so what is judeo-christian just just like religious Mm -hmm. christian um i <laughs> threw some stank on that Christian. <laughs> no, I'm just wondering what Judeo means. Judeo is it's do with Jewish. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So Judeo-Christian means like that kind of. You could even say like Islam, Judaism, Christianity, basically all these religions. And I'm not saying anything bad about religion or whatever, but um, it has this this underlying tone that you are born a sinner. Mm-hmm, yeah. Basically, you're born missing something. And you need something to fulfill yourself in that. In in those religions, is God or Jesus or Muhammad or or whatever it is. Yeah, uh, I don't believe in anything anymore. Mm. I feel pretty good about it, but <laughs> but, but that, I'm joining you with that one. <laughs> but but I still I still have this rem these remnants of this kind of upbringing that I that I wasn't good enough. Mm. And, and, you're, and you're born that way. Like yeah. You're born not good enough. You need Jesus in your life so that you're good enough. And whether you do or not, that, that's beside the point. Um, but what I started to understand was that I was born whole. I was born with everything that I needed. And nothing that I could get would make me more me. And nothing I could get rid of would make me less me because everything that was me was already me. Of course, I'll change and grow and all that, but I'll, but it's like a seed. You, know, you mm-hmm. plant a seed, it starts out as one thing and it grows into a, a huge oak, but it does that by just evolving within itself. It doesn't get rid of anything, it doesn't add anything. Mm-hmm. And it's always, everything that makes an oak tree an oak tree was, was there when it was a seed. And so I started to think of myself in that way that I didn't need to get anything, but I'll still grow. I'll still evolve. And as I do through each one of those steps and processes, I could be completely content and happy. Yeah. And so it changed. Well, one, it, it, I was unhappy before and I'm happy now. Mm. And that's, that's a huge thing. And, and I think there's so many people that are unhappy and they're looking for that thing that will make them happy when that thing is always inside of them. Mm. It's just, how do you see life? We have, we have two different ways of, of viewing reality through our perception and our perspective. Our perception is what we see and basically how do I translate what happens to me? Is that good or bad? Good and bad don't exist, right? They're, they're just judgments placed upon situations. Yeah. So here's a situation I view it as good or I view it as bad and that in turn contributes to my happiness. I'm in a good situation. I'm in a bad situation.
0: Yeah, and the best part of it is like, <clears throat> what is good without bad, or what is bad without good? Right, you know all that kind of stuff. That's why
1: heaven doesn't make any sense. Yeah,
0: and stop what you were saying. I just want to come a little bit back um, about. Right. No, <laughs> no one needs to know about the second thing. But like, <laughs> just fuck, just also us <laughs> the second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Just I wanted because because you say so many cool things, and I kind of like want to expand on them. And I, I just haven't move said on. anything cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't get confused. Wait wait hey <laughs> um about how we have that um feeling of that we not deserve something in our lives so i can i can again relate to this cuz i grew up in a household where eastern europeans are very famous with that we don't really show love to each other we don't really appreciate each other's kind of uh you know work or or kind of like performance and uh i remember like so i started martial arts when i was Fifteen, I did karate for about seven years, and for the last four years, I was in Latvian team. I was presenting Latvia in like Europe and uh, European Championships. And I remember I would come home and I would be de- telling my dad, "Oh, here you go, I'm second in Europe." And my dad just looks at me like, "Well, so what do you want me to do about it?" I was like, "Why aren't you first? <laughs> that come, would be come, Amer- that come would be American when you're not a loser. <laughs> that would be American way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, my dad is like, "So wh- what do you want from me?" I was like, "I don't." I didn't even know what to say. I and want that, you to be first, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Second. But, but what he said to me, he was you like, bracking? he said, all of these things, what you do, you don't do for me, for mom, for, 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 for my wife, or your mother, um, but you do for yourself. And as soon as you, as soon as you, sooner you understand that, as easier is going to be to live in you, like, to, you know, and I was like, in the same time, I was stupefied, I was a little bit obsessed, upset, but I was like, fuck, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. and since then like I also growing up and then meeting like m- moving to Canada whatever 13-14 years ago um, seeing how parents are like you know and this is the cuddling culture it was a big thing in the states all over the world but Americans talk about that a lot and that uh, kids are just like yeah you get this trophy that trophy just participation and, and et cetera then I was really struggling with like why would we appreciate someone's uh, mediocre performance you know like second <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're not gonna let that go are you (laughs) just second in the world
1: still second (laughs) yeah I mean that's it's um you actually moved right into this the the second point you know perception that was my perception is one the other one is perspective yeah perspective is how do we see things like if you stand right up close to something you can only see what's right there that's you know that's everything that you understand if you back up you can mm-hmm. see more of the picture and so as much as you see like how you judge it as good or bad from where do you see it from and the more that you step outside of yourself the farther back that you go the more that you could actually see mm-hmm. uh, what's going on and actually the far th- the the more that you remove yourself the more you actually see what is true yeah because the more that you're inside yourself in this subjective experience, the more you see things as like everything's happening around you rather than everything is happening.
0: Is it similar to saying like widening horizons? When people say like travel, meet other people, widening your horizons, understand that you are not this amazing, special one in a little town somewhere in the countryside. But then actually, when you look at the bigger picture, you're just a tiny speck and you're not... I,
1: I, I definitely think traveling does help put you more in, in your place and it does open up your horizon or your perspective mm-hmm. a bit to understand different cultures, different people, that not everything is, you know, small middle town America or, or what, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, yeah. What it, whatever it is, the, the situation that you grew up. But um, even more than that is to remove yourself. Mm, yeah. So the more that you could remove yourself from it, because whatever you see is always going to have a layer, uh, a filter in front of it. And that filter mm. is your, your history. Mm. how you've learned everything your experience and your emotions yeah and so you you're constantly digesting the world around you through these filters and these filters are unique to you no one else no one else gets to see these filters and so you're absorbing what you think truth is but it's really only your truth yeah and so the more that you're able to step back and like kind of remove your emotions from it remove your perception or your your um yeah, your perception of it being good or bad or the judgments that you place upon it, uh, the more that you could actually see it for what it is and the closer to the truth you are. And living close to the truth is important because you're able to actually understand other people's truths mm. better. You're able to make better relationships with other people. You're able to make a better relationship with yourself. And it's how you act, interact, react to the world and your environment around you is all based off of off of how you're taking it in and how you're choosing to take it in and so you could have it as like you're doing it for yourself or you're doing it for your others that's doesn't really matter because both of those things revolve around you and i don't think there's anything wrong with doing something for somebody else it makes the world better you know if you're doing everything for yourself alan watts uh it's amazing if if you guys don't know alan watts whatever he's a he died. <laughs> but but it's just one of my favorite philosophers and he said there's two things that everyone should contemplate. The first one is your death and the second one is everything that you do is selfish. And I've been really thinking a lot about this this second one that everything that you do is selfish. And more and more of not trying to argue that everything that you do is selfish versus altruistic cuz you could argue both and you could come up with good points with both. But instead of like trying to to prove something not to be selfish when you actually look at everything that you do and and see how do I do this and how is it selfish and what are the selfish parts into it and how do I make this more selfish mm. because it, it's what you do is one thing why you do something changes greatly what you do and so you could take something with what people might say that is completely unselfish like raising a child right you could like um the love that a mother or father, whatever has for the children, what they want for their children is just everything, the best for them, which I agree is the case for most things, but how can that be completely selfish? Like, and this is an important thing because if you look at it like that, it allows you to remove the selfishness from it. So if you could take, uh, this is, I quite. I have some Asian friends. I'm not speaking for all Asians, but I'm speaking for the age, Asians Agents that agree. You know. <laughs> Asians that agree with this. I'm talking to you. If you disagree with this, then you know, just <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but from from what I know from Asian Asian culture, being an Asian American myself, are you? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> but it would give me credibility. Uh, <laughs> You're talking I d- to Eastern
0: European who saw his black per- per- first person when I was 18. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I don't know yeah, much. Yeah, Diversity. <laughs> Yay. Uh,
1: but it's, it's quite normal in, a, in an Asian family for the parents to be very strict for their child to get good grades. They go, uh, I've dated a few different Asian women and they tell me about their upbringing and going to like Japanese school on mm. Saturdays and stuff. And um, most Asians play an instrument as well because their parents made them play it at an early age. And you can think of that as, well, that's an amazing thing because they want the best for their child. But is it? are they doing it because they want the best for their child? And from what I understand is many of them don't. It's more about what their friends and family think. And it's like, how good are they as a parent? And the child is a reflection of their parenting. And so even though all the things that they're having their kid do is, is beneficial, getting good grades, getting them into a good college, a good job... Um, giving them all these skills for life. They're all done from a selfish place. And so the child grows up resenting all these things because even though the action was good, the intention behind it was selfish. Mm -hmm. And that, that's like applied to everything that you do. Just going to, to dinner with your friends or buying a gift or whatever it is. If you look at it and go like, well, how is this selfish? Like, like how, how am I doing this for the benefit of me? Yeah. And then that allows you to change your intention and gives you a chance to remove that selfishness from mm. that. And so you could pro- approach the situation from an altruistic way. And it's, it's really quite powerful, and especially with big decisions that you make. Like if you have any change, like a new job, a, a move to a new country mm. or a new city or, or anything that has to do with your family, you ask, okay, well, how is this selfish? I'm not saying that it is selfish. You just have to ask yourself how how, is it? how could it be selfish? And yeah, um, so I a, I think doing things for other people is one of the best things that you can do. I mean, it is great to do things for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being selfish. At, at the end of the day, like most people aren't going to do things for you that are in your best interest or in your wants, and so that has to be part of it. You need to do things for yourself, but.
0: And for everyone, it's a different, uh, the prism of uh, how they look is, what are their values, you know? And at the end of the day, what makes me happy and what are my values and what are things I'm following? If for me, it's very important that I want to help as many people as I can, then it works for you. If uh, for someone else, it's just like, I just want to think about my family, myself, and that's that's my happiness, and those are my values, then that's how it works, I guess. Like one of the most unselfish things I could think of, if you ride on your bike, and here in Bali we have a lot of cases, you ride on your bike and someone broke down on their bike. If you jump off your bike, put it and help that person to push it somewhere, I think that could be probably one of the most unselfish things ever. There's never, you're never gonna, it's like there's nothing you're gonna gain out of it in that kind of sense. No one is gonna see you, oh, look at Renard, so look at you like you did this amazing thing. It's like, you know, especially if it's somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and then that person looks at you, and, and and thanks you, and then you have that amazing feeling, and then that's you can the say selfish that part. selfish part, yeah. right? Yeah. But then, there's pretty much, there's no not selfish things. I yeah.
1: don't know. It, it, the, the point of the exercise is not to say things are, are not selfish. Mm, okay. It's, it's, it's not about that. It's only about seeing what could be selfish. Right, right, right. And then once you could see what could be selfish, then you could, yeah.
0: Maybe yeah. make better so this choices. Is, this is too too complicated for me. Yeah, this is
1: why <laughs> this is. Uh, so that's how I started skydiving.
0: <laughs> how did we end up here <laughs> from skydiving? Yeah, um, yeah. The sky. So I want to share with some of the, my stuff for skydiving. Uh, I just thought like, and and what you said that it can be very thrilling, very cool for first, maybe 20 jumps, 30 jumps. And then you notice, I remember I would fall asleep on a plane and I we have these Spanish uh, skydivers, like big t- gigglers, and they knew that I'm a stunt guy. So they thought they could abuse me, whatever. I literally woke up once, uh, um, I was like, just fell out of the plane and i woke up and was like oh shit uh, well i had like you know uh, one minute to fall still uh, yeah. before i pull but that's that's how the the jokes they were doing and it's like you get to the point where it kind of gets boring for me like my one of the biggest not i don't say problems but things is i get bored very quick you know i i uh, start doing uh, horse riding, trick riding in Spain. And my fifth lesson was I was really learning how to stand on two horses and, and do balancing, whatever. But usually horse riding takes like three, four years before you get to that level. But my, because the crazy uh, Spanish guy, he was like, oh, Renas, you okay to do this? And I'm like, yeah, well, we'll see. If I break a leg, then, you know.
1: One of my teachers told me that boredom is, is us wanting it to be different than what it is. Mm. Uh, because it, boredom is a, is a really fascinating thing. So I've done a few vision quests, which, um, like you call them vision quests, called nature solo times, basically times where I spent alone in nature for an extended period of time, not about trying to survive, just about trying to be. Mm-hmm. And so you spend most of the time alone, naked, meditating. Do you have and to the, be naked? Uh, yes. Okay. You don't have to be. I mean, you have to be. do anything. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. But <laughs> <laughs> but being, so the reason why you're naked is for two reasons. One is it strips a bit of who you think you are, mm-hmm. right? We, we put on our cool hats and our clothes and our sleeveless things. And I can't take off my tattoos, but, yeah. but you know, you do a lot of what you wear. There's a bit of your identity into it. Mm-hmm. And also what everything that you wear is made by someone else, unless you make your own clothes, but yeah. It's not made by nature. Can you put a little
0: leave in front, like in Mowgli? You know?
1: you, who are you hiding from? <laughs> you're by yourself. You're alone. There's, there's, it's just you, you know? So uh, the, other, the other reason why you're naked is to be closer to nature, so you feel more. Like mm-hmm. the sensations on your skin, like when you feel a breeze, you feel it across your whole body rather than yep. just your, where you're used to. Uh, but in those, those situations, the hardest thing by far is boredom. You know if, if anybody's ever done a Vipassana it's kind of similar to that but but on like a you talk about extremes do an extreme thing go sit alone naked mm-hmm. in sweden for for a week or two mm-hmm. butt naked with just like a tent and a little bit of food and then just sit out on a rock all day and experience your emotions
0: you've done it w- once how many times uh, you done this?
1: I've i've done two long ones and a lot of short ones it's something I actually do with my students. We do a 24-hour one every year. Mm-hmm. So I do that with my 300-hour students. And that's just kind of more of an exercise to to open the door uh, in a sense. But, yeah, when I was preparing for my first one, the first one I did was in Sweden. The second one I did was in Colorado. But when I was preparing for it, um, my, my teacher said, is, is is boredom is you thinking that this should be different than what it is.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and and that's like such a, a, a chronic problem with most people now. We get in any situation where, you know, you have to like actually start being with yourself or thinking or your thoughts or something's not immediately grabbing your attention. Then it's on the phone or swiping or TV or video games or which all those things are fine. There's nothing wrong with them, but we immediately want to change the situation as soon as boredom comes in. And it's like one of those things that, You want to talk about extreme practice boredom like Mm -hmm. nothing nothing else will challenge you more than that especially because i think we're you and i are you're a bit more extreme than me but i think that's because i've been in this yoga thing for a while but we're we're definitely cut from the same cloth and uh the only thing that's ever challenged me is boredom
0: Mm. when do you think that started and who started practicing and noticing that there's this amazing benefit and what is the main benefit for people to be by themselves in longer period of time and then they have this boredom or whatever they with their thoughts what are the greatest benefits
1: the purpose is not to be bored the boredom actually goes away once you stop resisting Mm -hmm. uh there's i think like the first it's it's a journey there's a lot of different steps that you go through uh the the struggle with yourself first of all the the fact that there is a struggle Mm -hmm. when there shouldn't be Uh, That was like one of the first things, question that asked. Like, I have this great life. I do all these amazing things. Why? Why did I put myself in this struggle? Which, and I, I felt like it was the worst thing in the world. But really, all I was doing was sitting alone in nature. Mm -hmm. You know, like how is that so bad? Uh, Yeah. Just everything that everything that is. You think is wrong with you, comes up.
0: Mm.
1: It's very it's it's weird it's confrontational in a way that that's that doesn't make any sense because no one's confronting you except for yourself and so all these things come up and it actually allows you time to work through them to see them to address them to address them honestly if you choose to mm-hmm. just like jumping out of a plane or doing yoga you know can take you to the same place the intention is what matters right you you have a car the car is a vehicle, bring you wherever you want to go. But if you don't know where you're going it doesn't matter, you know, if you get in it or not, Yeah. you always, you always have to have that intention. You always have to understand where am I going? Um, and so the, the tools to get you there can be different. And even the, the tools might, you might use the same tool to get to a different place as well. So for me sitting alone was, was more about trying to, uncover these things that, uh, trying to uncover what I was culturally conditioned to the choices that I made that weren't mine. Mm. And that's something I think a lot of us don't realize. I feel like most people don't realize that we make a lot of choices and decisions, uh, big ones that we think are our own choices, but really they were given to us by our parents, by our culture, by Mm -hmm. society, by TV, by whatever, who we like, you know, that's gay or or that's stupid or that, you know, whatever, whatever it is, like those aren't your thoughts. Mm -hmm. I don't like this type of person. That's not your thought. Unless you had like a a specific reason not to like that person, which probably came from something that wasn't yours in in the first place. You already Mm -hmm. didn't like that person before you decided you didn't like that person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's,
0: that's a really good point. And then what you said, sorry to interrupt you, but I, I wanted to add as well, like I grew up uh, in a small town and when I was 18, I had no idea where what I want to study, like continue university. And in Latvia, we were straight away, yeah, next one university, not like in States or UK. They all one year travel, explore, uh-uh, go straight away university, graduate that, get a good job and all that. And we were so pushed to do those things very quick. And I graduated high school, I had no idea what I'm going to do. And I went to study business just because my sister was already studying there. And when I said to my mom, oh, I'm kind of, my mom, she's a journalist. And I was like, oh, journalism could be my thing. And she's like, no, son, you need something serious in your life. And then years only later, she would be saying like, no, son, I just want you to do some, whatever you want to do, whatever makes you happy. And then I was like, where were you when I was 18 and 19? But mom, she's like, I was just concerned that, you know, what if you're not going to make a living? And, you know, I didn't want you to struggle like I struggled as a journalist. And, you know, and that came from different intention. But totally agree with what you say, like, whether there's parents. But mainly in my case, it was society. It was like, you see, everyone would say, like, study business, be a lawyer. That's get, That makes you money. And the money was in those days was that's all you needed to be happy. No one talked about, you know, <laughs> what do you actually want to do? So, um, I wanted to touch a little bit about your firefighters career. (laughs) Oh, just
1: really digging into the past
0: here. (laughs) Well, let's Uh, talk about future. Future. (laughs) No, the only reason why I wanted to say say it because you would be really pissed off with me because I would be the guy who sets sets himself on fire. So I've done three films now where I'm fully on fire, and we usually would have firefighters on a set. It's pretty hot. Totally opposite. It's cold. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's sexy. It's like, like what? <laughs> oh, hot, sexy. Okay, because yeah, yeah. <laughs> we uh, <laughs> we put these no mix uh, layers, two two layers mm. with all with gel. You know, you know how. Have you ever talked I, to someone yeah, who set d- themselves on fire stuff?
1: I mean, I, maybe you're the first person I've talked to that's had set okay. themselves on fire. But I, I, am aware of how it, how it goes down.
0: Mm. There yeah. you go. So you would be the guy who would be chasing me with a thing? <laughs>
1: Probably not, because I put out houses, not people. <laughs> I, I mean, I never put a, if a person was on fire, I would have put him out, but I've never
0: had to. And then someone was like, "That's Renard's. Like, no, fuck it, <laughs> I'm uh, not doing it. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: firefighter. I still have nightmares that I'm a firefighter, which is which is kind of weird.
0: Um, so for a long time, man, like you've seen a lot of lot of crazy stuff.
1: That's not the. That's not the. It's not like. The bad things that that (laughs) it's not about the bad things that I saw as a firefighter. It's more of like having to go. Being a firefighter is pretty boring. If we talk about boring, Mm. like it's a lot of like when you when you get a call, it could be exciting, but just like jumping out of a plane, it it eventually loses its luster. The same thing with being a firefighter. Mm. You know, you when you run on like so many different full arrests, which is someone having a heart attack. You know, not Mm -hmm. breathing. Their heart's not. Like, it, the first couple are exciting, but after you do 100 or 500 of them, whatever, it's it's really just going through the steps. You know, you give the drugs, you, you maybe shock them, you do the chest compressions, you write a report, you know. Mm.
0: And then you would have a quite long periods of then no action whatsoever.
1: Uh, depends on the department. My department was pretty busy. Mm-hmm. and I mean, we would get exciting calls, but mostly what I, I fear is going back to, like, it was such a toxic environment. The people that I worked with, every single one of them just wanted to retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a hard time with that. It seemed to be very backstabby. Everyone, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, the way that that you work in the fire department is, you know, there's like one job like that you want as captain, mm-hmm. and then there's the engineer, and then there's two firefighters, mm-hmm. and so the tree already starts like this and then it gets really narrow. So you, you're immediately in competition. The firefighters are all in competition with each other to become an engineer. The engineers are all in competition with each other to become a captain. Yeah. Captains are all in competition with each other to become a chief. And then if you're like the, the fire chief, then, you know. So there's always a diminishing amount of jobs and you pretty much keep that job until you get promoted or retire. And so if you come in and you're someone that does, does well, Uh, People don't like that. Mm. And so if you're a new guy and I came for, I was in the military before that and I was a, I was crash fire rescue, which is like an aircraft firefighter. And so I had already had all the schooling and classes and certificates and four years of experience. And then I'm coming into a municipal city, uh, city department and I have all these classes that they want me to take. I have these uh, already a lot of experience, and I'm going for that next step. And they don't like that because I'm the new guy. I shouldn't be going for that for like another four years or, or whatever it is. And so it, it tends to be very kind of backstabby.
0: Uh, Why did you not go somewhere where there's more higher level uh, firefighter stuff? Because you come like how long, how many years you were in military Mm -hmm. doing? Uh,
1: It doesn't, it doesn't matter. The only, every department is the same. The only thing that changes is the amount of fire stations Mm -hmm. there might be. And I could have gone to a, a bigger fire department like LA city or something like that. Um, but it it, it's yeah there's more opportunity in a bigger city i was a small city only only three stations Mm. and i'm you know know, like i'm really glad so i first got laid off and then i got fired Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is it's really interesting to lose the interesting that's a that's a non-word doesn't mean anything it's interesting is it's not interesting uh it's rare unique to lose the same job twice over two different circumstances so I'd, I'd been a firefighter for like four years uh, i was a paramedic for four years before that worked in a hospital for two years before that so i had some time in the medical field uh, and then when i got hired on as a firefighter paramedic um, i got uh, first laid off because of budget so it was the time when California was doing these massive layoffs to firefighters and police and city hall. And so I was laid off in that. And then two months later I got offered my job back. So I came back, but when I came back, I was put on probation again. Firefighters have to go through a year of probation, Mm -hmm. which, and then after that you're in the union, which means you're like protected. And then, um, so when I came back, part of the rules is I had to be on probation again for another six months. And I got sent to another captain who was a real dick. He was like, he was on his way out, basically close to retiring. And he wanted to treat me like I was a brand new first year, like rookie yeah. uh, probie. And he wanted me to do the dumb probie stuff, wake up, be the first one up to empty the dishwasher and clean the toilets, go out, practice putting on your your bunker gear and throwing ladders and all, all like the, the busy... BS work that they make new firefighters, but i I'd been at this department for four years and he wanted to treat me like I was day one. So I was like, no, I'm not going to do sounds that. Sounds like a proper dick. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I'm just going to do my job. Like I know how to do my job. Don't treat me like shit, you know? Mm. Um, so at the end of that six months, I thought, okay, I did everything I was supposed to do, pass on my test. And then, uh, I got called in by the chiefs, not even my captain. Uh, then they're like, you know, you're not a good fit for this department. So we're going to let you go. Mm. So first time I was laid off. The second time I was properly fired. Uh, And I was devastated. But um, I think I was sad because it wasn't my choice. Because I honestly, if I think back about it, I hated that job. I hated going to work. I dreaded it. I, I remember I would keep a bar of chocolate in my in my uh, locker so that at the end of the day I would reward myself by eating chocolate. And it was like my coping mechanism. Like like literally I I was having to do things to self soothe because it was the, the work environment was just so negative, but I would tell myself all these things. And you know, I, I have family that are firefighters, friends that are firefighters they have a totally different experience. So clearly it's not about being a firefighter, but it was about my perception. Mm -mm. Right. So, and you know it takes time away from that to to understand and also you know who you work with is is half of the job and i just happen to work with a bunch of dickheads there's some cool guys in there there's some really cool guys uh, but i just kept getting stuck with these assholes i, I had a my one of my partners I, I couldn't stand the guy but my last partner the one i got fired with he's a, he's a really cool dude but yeah so <laughs> I wanted to be let go on my, on my own terms. Um, but it was probably like the best thing that ever happened to me by, by far the best thing that ever happened to me. So like my nightmare, like being, I'm a yoga teacher, right? After I left the fire department, I'm like, I was, I was already teaching yoga for about three years at that mm-hmm. time. Cause I started teaching yoga after my first year on the department and I was just doing it like one, two or three classes a week, depending on what I could fit into my schedule. And I loved it, uh, like, yeah, but there's no money in it. Like, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't uh, yeah, I, I would save up my paycheck. And then after like two weeks, I, I'd have enough to go out and take my girlfriend to dinner. <laughs> right? So yeah, I never thought about it being a viable career, but I had friends that were practicing in LA, and I was about an hour and a half outside of LA, that were making it work. And after I lost my job, I was like, I could make this work. I I never thought I'd make any money out of it or become well known for it, uh, but I knew that I could do it to, to survive at least, and so I just had this idea like I'm okay I'm gonna be a yoga teacher. And around that same time, I think I watched the documentary Jiro Dreams of Sushi. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever seen that? Um, I heard of it. Yeah, it's 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 worth a watch. And, and basically, it's just about this old dude that makes sushi, but it had this meaning. Like it had this really deep meaning, which was like, doesn't matter what you do, like you could always be better at it. Mm-hmm. And and life is not about being able to do everything, but it's about like trying to truly master your craft or your art, and then and to put yourself like one hundred percent into something. And not that I say I, I believe this message or whatever, but that was kind of like the message of
0: of the of the movie or at least what i took out of it and that i is, think the biggest one in that is like as long as you is that it's that that's what you want to do that's the biggest one because very often i see some very like talented people and they're great in what they do uh, one of the things what they're lacking is like to figure out how to make that as a viable business you know like someone is an artist they make beautiful drawings but they never could figure out how to sell them so those are these things you need to figure out like you become an amazing yoga teacher but you're not gonna be known if you're not gonna travel if you're not gonna go to different countries which you start doing and that's where you got really recognized and that's where your career so changed right you're you're you are right there there are they are very two different things of
1: making it a career and doing what you love um and to be honest like i Knew I, was, I didn't know if I was going to make it a career or not. Uh, I just knew that I was tired of doing what I didn't love doing, mm. and I wanted to do what I did love doing, whether or not I could make money out of it. Mm. And I just had this this intention. And it's going back to the intention again that I was going to do my best and give everything that I could to be the best at this. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked before about the the um, promotion path of a firefighter well it's very short firefighter engineer captain Mm -hmm. battalion chief chief it ends right so that that's the top of the ceiling you could get there after like 20 something years and then that's it well i looked at being a yoga teacher and there was no ceiling even though you're like a yoga teacher you know i'm still a 500 hour yoga teacher as i was when i took my my last 300 hour training or whatever you know it's like Mm. that it's not marked off by titles but yet my growth is a Teacher has never stopped, and so I I feel like you know it's like uh, if you've ever been to California and been to like the redwood forest. I've been to California, but uh, never been to redwood you, s- you see these trees that are just massive, and they just keep growing and they mm-hmm. keep growing. And that's kind of like what I feel like. There's I'll I'll just continue to grow. Like I started as yeah. a little seed, but I'm just going to continue to get bigger. And so that's actually how I, I made it as a well-known teacher and, and was able to make this as like a successful career is my goal was just to be as good as I possibly mm-hmm. could be. And so I put so much time I mean, I still spend time studying, you know, like mm-hmm. I still am learning more anatomy and working on creating and evolving and, and pushing my craft to be better. Like there's, I definitely don't feel like I have arrived, or that I'm even close to arriving. Like mm. I still feel like the journey is, is so much farther. And uh, and they, I don't know who they is, but they say,
0: <laughs> they
1: said they say buy someone, a, buy someone a puppy. <laughs> someone said this. Someone someone probably said this first, and then it's been repeated. But if you love the journey, you'll go farther than if you love the destination. Mm. And so. And, s- like, I, I I don't have a destination. I just have a journey, and I, I'm enjoying it so far. So, when I think about being a firefighter, that was, it's just going back to that, like, being stuck.
0: Mm. That's yeah. another thing that I can relate to, because I was, before I left Latvia, I was working in corporate uh, industry, so I just got my MBA degree in business, and I was so... Congratulations. Ha- oh, yay. yay. What wait, you- wait. second. <laughs> now i can wipe my ass with that thing um and uh i was my story goes that i was following really my sister's footsteps like she's five years older and she was anything she was doing she was very successful i know yeah and uh and i was just didn't have like idea what i want to do and i just thought like this is because since i was a kid i always want to kind of out like outwork my sister basically in anything what i was doing there was like ballroom dancing it was sports anything and then uh, when i was in this corporate industry and uh, i was there for maybe three four years i just i'm surrounded by these people who hate their lives just like you were saying about your fire department they they always complain this is bad that's bad and i could not see my future that i could be that person like that boss or whatever i'm like And then I was asking, my question was like, is this it? Is this my life? That's what I was asking. And around that time when I was asking that question, I had a very, which I really want to ask you, what is your opinion about? I had this crazy gut feeling that this is, my journey is not here. And then as soon as I started thinking that way, it was 2008, 2009 when the economy collapsed in- in, uh, in That's when I lost my job. (laughs) so that's pretty much so 2000 I think it was end of 2008 2009 I lost my business I had a business with two other partners I lost my job in this big corporation I just got kind of finished all my studies so there was nothing to do and I broke up with my ex so I literally had nothing like kind of and from nowhere a friend of mine comes over saying let's go to Canada let's do this youth mobility program we can uh, travel and work there and uh, in combination with that gut feeling and everything it was like this is perfect. Let's just go. And then I went and after two years I would still come back to Latvia thinking, you know, I can still live here and this would be my life. But very quickly I realized this is not me. And then I went back to Canada and now it's been would like, what, 12 years and then I moved to UK. But, uh, so yeah, what I'm going to say, like, a very similar experience, like for me, was that gut feeling that something is not right. And also seeing the, I love when you use the word uh, you saw your ceiling. And I, there was... Actually, when I was hosting um, and emceeing parties and events, that was like my hobby, what I was doing on a side. And uh, I said, if I stay in Latvia, there, there's no bigger events I can MC or host because the ceiling is this low. And I literally thought, if I want to get bigger, whatever, I need to travel, I need to learn the language, like English, which is my third language. And then I try there. And I'd rather be a, 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 a small fish in a big pond and with the opportunity that can eventually grow instead of being big fish in a small pond where you know there's no real opportunities. Um, so yeah, I would like to hear your opinion about gut feeling or there's different way you call it or what do you think that means? Uh, I
1: think I think whenever you go somewhere, you're either moving towards something or you're moving away from something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important question to ask yourself. Am I moving away from a situation? Am I moving towards one? Um so I take that with like, I don't, I don't really, I mean, like it's, it's such a yogi thing to be like, Oh, the universe told me or like, <laughs> uh, which is fine. I, if the universe talks to you, like, that's great. It's, yeah. uh, there, there definitely does seem to be like a flow, uh, when, when things are meant to be, but I think that it's, it's so many different things more than just like your gut feeling. It's just like, that's, you, you're, you're living your purpose. Mm-hmm. And so you want to be behind it. And I, I think one of the things that people struggle with is, like, what what's my purpose in life? Like, right. And they feel like it's supposed to be handed to them by something divine or from the universe or whatever. But it's, it's just, what do you love? Mm. Right? And then once you figure that out, which is, like I said, one of the hardest things to do, you, you just go with it. You could all say, like, your, your meaning. like, But, um, yeah, I, I tend to more... Rather than think about like, what is my gut telling me to do? I, I try to get a little bit more real with it. Like, what am I, am I moving towards something? Mm-hmm. Uh, or am I trying to run away? Yeah. Because I've, you that know, the fire department, like, like I would have been running away from it um, given the chance. <laughs> like, yeah, I was already yeah. starting other businesses and stuff, but the businesses yeah. that I started all failed because I wasn't moving towards the businesses. I was moving away from the fire department. But when the fire department gave me the old boot, yeah, then I okay. had to move towards something. And I think that's why it worked to be a yoga teacher, because it was like, I just love doing it. There's something, you know, it's... it's Being, being a teacher is, is a lot like being a performer, but with a lot more responsibility. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like being a performer and a therapist and a life coach and and all those things. And it's kind of crazy. All, all these different roles are placed on somebody that is, you know, most people just have 200 hours worth of training. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and looking from all these years now, later, um, what if that fire department, actually the environment, the people around you would be really cool, really supportive, and you would love to be there. So you would continue doing that for... Do you have any idea how long you would be doing it? No. Uh,
1: you know what you don't know you don't know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. So I don't, I mean that was my plan was to work at this department and then die. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad I'm glad it didn't work out that way
0: listen that's a perfect ending for the first half <laughs> uh, let's have a little stretch and uh, and come back in a minute right. <laughs> <laughs> how's bali life treating you how long have you been here now
1: it's a hard question to ask so i started coming to bali i think the first time was in 2012 i came here to teach a teacher training and I, mm-hmm. after the teacher training i spent another month traveling around um probably saw more of bali in that one month than i have in like every trip i've been to like since uh but since then I've tried to come back to Bali for at least one or two months a year and then uh once the pandemic hit uh I spent the I spent the majority of it in London and then as soon as I was able to find like a little window to come into Bali I came here and then I was here for most of the time and then just left so kind of since like 2020 I've been here uh, back I just and forth, back, back and, and forth. forth. Yeah, from from here, then traveling and teaching.
0: How different is uh, Bali from Hawaii? <laughs> Probably a stupid question. Uh, I need it's to ask very this.
1: different. <laughs> uh, Hawaii is America. <laughs>
0: this is America, man. <laughs> yeah, America. So the uh, nasi goreng is more expensive
1: there. <laughs> na- nasi goreng is much more expensive there. Um, no, it's more like spam eggs and rice. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah uh hawaii is cool uh, hawaii is hawaii is a vibe for sure i like it there it's expensive it's organized mm-hmm. the only thing that's like similar is like the kind of the climate's a little bit similar but i mean what makes bali is the people i think yeah and the traffic, the
0: traffic. <laughs> <laughs> the, yes, yeah. yes for traffic traffic I, has been amazing though
1: yeah, it's gotten busy. It was it was kind of a treat to be here during the pandemic when just everything was empty, but I think it's good for the island. I think I think eventually it'll it'll settle down.
0: That's what I was saying. It was like back in the COVID days. Yeah, the so COVID good. days. People both hate
1: and love the COVID <laughs> yeah. days.
0: You know what it's you it get serious in here, people just hate change. Like really yeah. when they, when like Especially when they, it just happens, they, they the moment of adapting that's what they hate. And then when they adopted it, then they're like, oh, okay, that's yes. a, it's, it's not too bad. As it's soon as co- it's familiar. It's our nature, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and then change comes again. It's like people like hated COVID. Oh, I wanted it to be how it was. And then it's like how it was. Like, oh, it was so much better when it was COVID. And,
0: yeah. You know? it's like, yeah. But also now we have to understand that one of the main reasons why it's getting so, so busy in Bali is because of what is going on with Russia and Ukraine. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's pre- pretty much the main reason and anywhere you go like who I know have people who live in uh, stay in the guest houses pretty much 95 90 percent are Russian speakers so it's whether yeah. Russians or Ukrainians you and speak Russian right yeah that's my yeah. second language grew up in Latvia and um, post-Soviet Union product basically like, yeah uh, so we, you're pro-Putin um, of course yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's on the record now <laughs>
1: What do you mean? You're not denying? Uh, I watch a lot of political TV, and there's like uh like, I'm definitely liberal. Mm-hmm. Hate me, whatever. I don't. <laughs> but um, what do the liberals do? What are they for?
0: I don't even know. Well, I'm so most, socially like, politics.
1: I mean, now it's like politics are so. so so divisive and so weird and it's like especially with like the whole maga trump thing it's like like i actually never had problems with republicans before and i think most republicans are fine mm-hmm. but now there's like this extremist group that's kind of come to the light with the q and and we've we've really gone like far from the beginning of this conversation to where we are now wow. we're just <laughs> no like, which is good yeah, that's yeah, why it's podcast right yeah we're just, we're just, just, like, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I think we, we were talking about this a little bit, or maybe it was uh, maybe I was talking with someone else uh, at, um, at Dawn
0: Patrol. Uh, that's, by the way, that's our cafe. We opened cafe recently here in Bali. Come check it out in Dawn Patrol. All, all my listeners that are in like <laughs> Florida
1: are going to be like, <laughs> check out Dawn
0: Patrol. By the way, I looked it up. There's the, uh, what's that uh, famous TripAdvisor, right? So yeah. I said to guys, oh, we need to get on TripAdvisor. We I d- I need to get it. on Gojek. Uh, yeah, we, we're still organizing it. We are on a Grab now. We, oh. we, today was the first order for the Grab. Because because yesterday was raining and I wanted some coffee. Yeah, and yeah. I was going to order so it off of Gojek. You can, you can order from Grab because Gojek is just taking forever. Go, to for those that don't know,
1: Gojek <laughs> is Indonesian Grab. Or Indonesian, I don't know. But For those Uber, who don't know, what, Uber, group, yeah, that's Uber. Uber fu- yeah, Uber, Uber Foods. foods yeah. Uber Foods, Uber. Gojek is
0: everything. Especially it's, in London. In London it's, it's all about Woot. Uber. No, London also has Woot. I think Woot. I don't know about that. I I always use Uber. Yeah.
1: Anyways, Uber Eats. That's what is Uber Foods. (laughs) Like who's this (laughs) moron? Uber Foods. Uber Foods. Stupid. uh, Uber. (laughs) Yeah, I just
0: I just go check it. Uh anyways we just recently opened up with our, with other f- two of my friends Yanis and uh, Dominic Dominic people probably know Dominic Robson he's a big deal in foods and stuff and anyways we opened a um, cafe recently and uh, yeah so, so now we have takeaway yeah. and you said that uh, you might talked about this and down patrol what oh, was that
1: no I was just saying people need to mind their own business <laughs> <laughs> like stop like let people be let you know like Every, I don't know. It's, it just seems like there's so much divisiveness and people just wanting to control everybody else. And it's just like, let, let people live a little bit, you know?
0: I don't, I don't know, know, man. I don't it's, know. It's, Find, mind your own business. Yeah. Stop being Karen. Yeah. <laughs> like,
1: I mean, I, I do definitely approach things a lot with the yogi mindset. Like, if you just mm. approach people with a bit more love and compassion and, yeah. and actually trying to see where they're coming from, yeah. it's you could have such a much better conversation. You could actually like meet eye to eye. Speaking of your partner, like Dom, who I love, one of my great friends, um, him and I definitely don't see eye to eye in the whole environmental thing. Like I definitely believe in climate change and mm-hmm. global warming and it's a bad thing. And he's a climate change denier, mm-hmm. which, uh, I don't understand. Um, but I still love him. So, you know, yeah. and I think, I think, it's okay to have like different points of view. Not that one, but other points. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, he's a smart person, and he has any and he has his reasons uh, for believing what he does. And I have my reasons for believing what what I do. And um, to quote Chris Rock from Dogma, mm, mm, this is like this that's is, a sick uh, movie. You know, he said that uh, it's better to have ideas than beliefs. People kill each other over beliefs. Ideas you could change, you know. And yeah. so uh, we put too much of our identity into the things that we think. Yeah. Right. Rather than it just being something that we think. And, and, you know, most people are really passionate about, about certain things and, you know, climate mm-hmm. change, abortion, or whatever religion, race, like all these things are, are very passionate and they are big deals and stuff, but you could still have intelligent conversations with, and, and, and respect the other person. Exactly.
0: As long as we are open to listen to other people as well. You know, that's why like I'm I'm huge fan of Joe Rogan's, you know, uh, and one of his main things is like even if I disagree with what you're saying and like totally disagree, I'm still here to he- hear you out and listen what you have to say and then I can add something or my opinion about this or that. And that's the uh, the other beauty what we have especially in Bali. Well, I don't know why I'm saying, especially in Bali, but there's so many, such a huge variety of people. So if that person disagrees you on so many levels, you d- you don't even have to hang out with that person. You know, if you can't like actually be in one space and you have to argue all the time, you can find other people. So make that circle of people who you happy with. You know, go to Ubud and make that circle of people there. Ubud is a place where people do yoga only, nothing else. Uh, Ubud, I mean.
1: <laughs> I like Ubud. I was <laughs> I was I was just there the other day for a photo shoot. It's beautiful. No, it it's is Actually, really yeah. is is pretty. Out. And oh, I was saying like why I love Bali so much is the culture and the people. Mm. Yeah, you know, like I actually I think Thailand is is prettier, mm. for sure. And you can smoke weed in Thailand. So hey, hey. <laughs> you can't do it here because you get murdered. Yeah. Um, but not anything against the Thai people. I just
0: I thought against not, not, not anything against killing people, but yeah, not, not anything <laughs> against killing people.
1: It's cool. No, I think against like Thai people at all, but I tend to feel more invited and welcomed by, um, by Balinese. Like mm. when I go to Thailand and I've taught Thailand a few times, like the yogis and stuff have been amazing mm. and super accommodating and welcoming, you know, but just like the whole culture in general, um, there's just something very special about the, the Balinese.
0: One thing that I noticed in Thailand was as, as soon as you get to busy areas, that's where the local people are, getting, are so different. They're more aggressive. They're more like, they, they basically get accustomed to the tourists, you know, mm. and and if the tourists treat them, you know, badly, that's how they're going to eventually going to gonna shoot back kind of thing. And I remember I went to Krabi, and th- this was in, uh, literally in one day, Uh, I went to this one place to get food in Krabi, which is quite central. And I was just treated like, fast, fast, come here. Like, what are you looking for? Why are you ordering this or this? Like this, like really aggressive. But then literally 20 minutes on a scooter, just get outside of Krabi. And I went to the most peaceful and lovely people with a smile and all that. So, but also the other thing, Thailand has their tourism way longer than it's been in Bali, Mm -hmm. as far as I understand. And uh, they're more accustomed to how to deal with tourists. And very often they are nasty tourists who go there, you know, so. Yeah. You know, that could be the case. And now they have weed, so now they can calm down. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to make it much better.
1: <laughs> yeah. Go Thailand.
0: Yay. It's time to move. I heard in Bangkok, they literally have like a, a little shop around every corner. So it's like, and you have, can try all sorts of types and it's like for free and stuff. Wow. That's definitely like the uh, Amsterdam of Asia now.
1: Yeah, yeah. America. America's can. Uh, oh, well, just New York and California. I've been to like lately since weed's been legalized.
0: How many states weed uh, is legal in in states? I'm not sure. I don't know. It's so, like is it like half of that at least, or less than half?
1: Uh, the good ones, it is.
0: <laughs> what the so good, if you, the if good you're, weed or the th- good states? The good states. <laughs> all the good states. Are there the, any good states though? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I say California and, and New York are good states. Uh-huh. Uh, Oregon, Washington. Like I tend I tend to like those places.
0: Yeah. Uh, California is the only place where I stayed for longer. I was there for like 4 months. Yeah. The, the thing land.
1: is like there's good people and bad people everywhere you go.
0: Yeah. What about Europe? Do you have any like country stands out which you really enjoyed teaching? Uh I spent a lot of time in the UK.
1: Mhm. I still in the UK, but one of my favorite, favorite countries is Scotland. Mm. I just, I really enjoy Scotland. It's beautiful. It's quiet. It's, I don't know. It's just well, has, is has it a, a good vibe. Gu-
0: guys doing yoga in kilts. Is that the deal? There,
1: there is a, there is a <laughs> yogi, call, I think called the like kilted yoga on Instagram or something like that. Uh, who does yoga in a kilt? Yeah. <laughs> you don't wear underwear, so you just let <laughs> let your freedom flag fly. Downward dog is the <laughs> best. <laughs> that's favorite <laughs> position. I actually really enjoy teaching in Europe. I've taught most most of Europe, like and then like places like Bulgaria, like places that you wouldn't uh, people probably wouldn't assume. But, like love being there, and the people have been so amazing, and the country is really beautiful. Yeah, country
0: is beautiful, Bulgaria.
1: Yeah, uh, there's still a lot of a lot of Europe I haven't been to. Mm-hmm. Um norway did you go to norway sweden? i haven't been to norway i've been to sweden mm-hmm. uh i've been to sweden a few times uh i haven't been to denmark i mean we could just list all the places i've been
0: I've been to a lot of places in europe norway definitely i, I, I did my mass i finished my master's degree there one of the most beautiful countries yeah. ever. Just the scenery there, the fjords, the mountains. Oh, it's just beautiful. Yeah, I really would like to go. Yeah. And also people, everyone speaks very good English. Um, Scandinavians. Yeah. Do you know what what's the main reason why Scandinavians English is much better than Eastern Europeans?
1: Because they don't translate their TV. That's why Germans are awful. No, sorry Germans. <laughs>
0: Germans yeah. are pretty good actually, but the worst ones well, so are like...
1: Some Germans are really good. Yeah. I, I used to have ger- my German residency and I've spent like five years trying to learn German. Mm. Uh, I still, like, c- I could understand quite a bit of German, but I'm still awful at speaking it because it's hard language to mm. speak.
0: Especially for English speakers. Mm-hmm. It is difficult, yeah. Yeah. Because I studied in school as well, a little bit. Yeah. Um,
1: but I, I do my teacher trainings in Germany. I have for several
0: years now i like it there so do you know can you teach uh, yoga in any other language except english do you know all the names and yeah
1: um i don't know uh, <laughs> those are the yeah. names of positions no no that's i'm just saying like reach your arms over your head bring your hands oh, to your okay. heart, hold forward lift up halfway in german okay oh, cool. uh I mean, like, I probably said it all wrong, too. It's been, <laughs> I was, had to pull somewhere deep. I'm, I'm, like, currently learning Indonesian right now. Okay. And so, like, the German just, like, got buried, buried really, really deep. Yeah, yeah. I might be able to teach in Spanish. Um, I
0: don't know. Yeah, but yoga but, language is so popular, like, English, if you say... People uh, understand most of the places, don't they?
1: Well... Like, I mean, other than just saying all the Sanskrit names, Trangamukha, Ekapadapachinamottanasana, <laughs> <yeah>, kaputasana. <Eka-pada-raja-kaputasana. laughs> right, it's like these, these, long, party, these party. long names. Uh, there's some short names too. But uh, yeah, like teaching in yoga, like w- half of teaching in yoga is, is telling people how to get in a pose. Mm. So you do um, need to speak that language. Yeah, uh, but the other part is like, there, there's there's more to it. Like um, like I said, there's there's... It's about connecting, like the movement is just, is very superficial, mm-hmm. right? That's just like the first layer. That's the moving through this, the, the layers of the self, the body, mm-hmm. the breath, the emotions, the mind and the heart, you know, like you're, you're moving through these, these different layers of yourself that are all existing at once, but, but still you need to kind of like dive into them. And when you when you practice the movement it's not just the movement it's about connecting to everything that's deeper Uh, about you know trying to find yourself understand yourself um so just saying out the pose is it's just like getting to a destination i don't teach destination Mm -hmm. i teach the journey so um yeah i'm not i'm not really
0: focused on poses i don't that's not my concern okay funniest stuff ever happened with you in a yoga class was the journey I mean, like, or was the destination? <laughs> I don't know.
1: Like I haven't had that many like funny things that have happened. I actually I have I could tell like funny things that other people have done. Well, like uh, in your class, like in my class, I've. Well, I used to get like uh, I'd be assisting, um, I'd be like assisting somebody like a girl mm-hmm. like in a twist or something. Mm-hmm. And just, and I'm, I'm very, very professional because I like being a yoga teacher. I don't yeah. want to be me too, you know, yeah. like, so like I'm very, very professional yeah, as, yeah. as a teacher. So I'm like assisting and the girl like grabs my leg and starts stroking stroke like, leg like this. And I just like <laughs> have to stop and step <laughs> away. Uh, oh, actually, it reminds me of an, an another story that was... Did you stick in, like, a phone number in your no, sock? No, no, no. Uh, not only that, like, the, my girlfriend's also the class. He does. Oh, no. Not that not that, that mattered at all, but, you know, it just made it even worse yeah, for yeah. me. Uh, wow. Another class I was teaching that my girlfriend was in, I was I was assisting, also in a twist, uh, a friend of mine who's a yoga teacher. And sometimes yogis, yogis wear, like, yoga clothes that... Um, are, are less see-through no like uh just less material than they should be <laughs> and, I, and i'm like I'm, i have her a twist and i generally like when i'm doing assist I, I don't always like especially like a twist assist or assist that i have to be like a little bit more hands-on mm-hmm. i usually looking away and so i'm looking away like this and I, I i turn my head back and i look down and her breast is just completely out of her shirt this is like a good friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> and so I, I reach my finger up by her collarbone and I slide my finger underneath her strap and like kind of pull it and then like adjust it back on. And she has her eyes closed, completely unaware, doesn't notice that it happened at all. Afterwards, I talked to her. I was like, I was like, like, oh, I actually have another story. We have, we have uh, <laughs> <There> <laughs> several stories now. Um uh, <laughs> all these things that are there, that are coming up, uh, all these horrific things that probably would get me me too. But, uh, anyways, and she's like, I'm like your your boob fully fell out of your shirt, and she's ah oh, no worries, that's okay. I was like, like, I felt it was okay because it was my friend, yeah, you know. And I'm glad that it was it was someone. That and I also, close what kind to. of
0: person? You see, like some person can be triggered or whatever, right? And do yeah. Like, and this is the thing. Like for you as a you in a very. You know, tough position there. You have to be very careful, which you are,
1: obviously. Okay, the most... I'll give you two... The, we're just horrible stories, because they are coming up now. I was teaching in L.A., in West Hollywood, and I used to teach at the Equinox in West Hollywood, which is where all the movie stars and producers and models yeah, and yeah, just, yeah. like, every, like, like A-listers, you know. Um, they all go to this gym. A lot of them go to yoga and stuff. Anyways, uh, I had like the same kind of group was, was of people. Damon
0: wearing G string again. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: guy, let me tell you, uh, Sorry. I had like the same, the same group of people always come and I hadn't seen this one lady in a while and she was like pretty fit, She'd maybe like mid thirties, maybe 40. Uh, and I was assisting her. I don't remember what the pose was, but it looked like she was, she was very thin everywhere, but she had like a little belly. Um and it you know like she was maybe like three or four months pregnant Mm -hmm. and I hadn't seen her in like maybe two months or so and I was like oh uh, are you pregnant and she and she's like no (laughs) and and like literally my heart just like fell out and I and I I didn't I turned like ghost white I didn't know I was so embarrassed (laughs) and. I don't think I ever looked or talked to that person again. This is like, uh, I hadn't been teaching that long either. Um, oh God. And she wasn't yeah, pregnant. She was not pregnant. Oh no, she God. was not pregnant. Cause I thought it's one of
0: those when she would go, I'm just joking. No, I no, no, pregnant. no, she
1: definitely was not pregnant. Oh God. Um, <laughs> okay. This is the worst thing I've done. Uh, and this is actually, was with a teacher that, that is on the Island. She still teaches on mm-hmm. the Island An uh, Ubud, friend of mine. Uh, we we're doing like acros, like kind of a bit of an acro jam. So I wasn't teaching. I was we we're just like playing around, and then we were doing some hollow backs, and she wanted me to help her with her hollow back.
0: What is hollow back? So a hollow back know? is
1: like a it's like a handstand back bend. Okay. So really deep back bend, but also in a handstand. Gotcha. So I will put a off, picture. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, like it's you right see here. here. Like here's back. here's a picture of me doing a hollow back. It's <laughs> Amazing, right? Um, so, anyway, so she was doing like a, a seven position hollow back, which is where the legs are piked, mm-hmm. and and then she was like really open in her shoulders, and I was kind of spotting her from um, I was <laughs> I was spotting her in her which which direction her her butt was towards me, mm-hmm. and her legs were away, and I was kind of like kind of on her side like this. And then she started to fall and as she fell, I went to grab her. But as I grabbed her, just like out of instinct, I Donald Trumped her. <laughs> if you know what I mean?
0: I know what you mean. Yeah. I think and, the whole
1: world knows what you and, mean. And I was, it was more like her pubic bone. I didn't really, I, and I, and, I, and, but I also had to like grab onto her so that she, like, it was not the place that I would have chose to grab or anything. It was just kind of like instinct. Um, if it was a dude, I probably would have grabbed the same <laughs> place as well, which would have been even more funny and probably would have felt not as horrible about, but I, but it was like just a second of, it. and then like it was, we, and we both just like started cracking up, like laughing. And um, again, I'm really glad it was my friend and yeah. not just some like random student, but it, it did. I did learn from that, uh, on spotting and <laughs> and especially that position where where not to grab yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was that was probably like.
0: Is there is there a way to call it when you grab a dude like that? So you said Donald Trumping it is for a girl? Is that yeah. like, Is it uh, Biden it or? <laughs> I, don't, I
1: don't. Biden's a cool dude. What are you talking about? I, don't know, I just heard uh, some things. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, that would only make him cooler. <laughs> Biden's gay. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, bro. You go get those dudes. <laughs>
0: All um, uh, senior citizens come on yeah yeah unite yeah, that's that's cool oh no like yeah uh, that's what i was thinking what about like the biggest one is always we the need f- a gay president the, we need dude like a flamboyant gay president
1: yeah it's just like china fuck you <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying like one that's not going to put up with any shit <laughs> Uh-uh.
0: You stop making clothes in those sweatshops. Yeah. <laughs> we need proper stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, gay people, don't, my, my brother's gay, you know. Gay people don't take shit. Oh, yeah. I've worked with gay people. Yeah. I've worked in gay clubs as a go-go dancer for a while. Yeah, uh, in, a, in yeah, I know. I mean, like, they, they just do. Dudes, dudes. Some of them are big, massive... Oh. strong and everything. It doesn't matter, you know. It's like it's like kind of this is a perception then they think that most of them are very camp and flamboyant. Like some of them are just, you come here, I'm just going to fuck you kind of thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember this. I don't know if I'm scared or turned on. <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> After this one set, I did the go-go dancing and this guy comes over, like this big guy looks looks 100% straight. Like I would, like I he's way more straight than i ever been. And he looks at me. He's like, "Oh, that that was a nice performance." I'm like, "Oh, thank you. Cheers, man. Thanks." And then he's like, "Uh, "There's a party in my house later tonight. If you want to come join," I was like, "Oh, cool. Who else is going to be there?" (laughs) Just (laughs) just just being here. (laughs) It was just so stupid. It's so like kind of just from countryside in Eastern Europe. Who else is going to be there? (laughs) No, it's just. just There's a party in my pants. (laughs) And then I'm like, I'm like. I'm straight. And he's like, really? <laughs> it's like, yes I am. He's like, I would not tell. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, about, about yoga classes. How often do you hear, <laughs> hear people farting?
1: Uh, most of what you hear in a yoga class is not a fart. It's like a back fart, you know, it's like the-
0: Oh, with the backs on the yeah. floor. Yeah. You don't,
1: generally you don't hear people fart in yoga. The class. You smell people oh. fart in a yoga class. Oh. And it's disgusting. And if you ever go to yoga, don't <laughs> fart and I, I teach I teach a lot of pranayama, which is breathing for, for yoga. It's a through the ass. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Megan Curry, a friend of mine also, she likes to say inhale through your butt. <laughs> Serious. Shout out to Megan. Shout out to Megan. She, who will never ever watch us, so like whatever. Yes. <laughs> um, she also is on the island. But, uh, so when I teach pranayama, cause people are doing a lot of breathing, sometimes fast, a lot of breath holds and stuff. And like, I'm like, there's one rule. Don't fart. Mm-mm. Like no one, no one wants to be like inhale it, like <laughs> inhaling deeply as someone else is just like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Did you ever had anyone actually getting up and saying this person is farting here? This is too much. I no. need to move. No, <laughs> no. Uh, but I, I. Like when I first started teaching,
1: I had a friend who she was teaching and she farted in class and it stunk really bad. And she took like, it was like this air, this freshener spray or whatever that she went to spray. But instead of it, like, spraying out into a mist, it just shot, like, an oil onto a student. And so she, like, farted, and it stunk. And then she just, like, sprayed
0: a student <laughs> with oil. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and that student became the best yoga teacher yeah. in the area. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> I'm not going to shout out her name. <laughs> but there are certain positions in yoga what do you do, like, it pushes on your belly, and then, you know, yeah, you tense, um, and then you fart. I always,
1: I always practice on an empty stomach. Mm. So I... I don't ever feel like the need to fart in yoga. When I when I generally teach yoga, it's like uh, in the morning, and mm. when I do yoga like for my teacher training, it's in the morning. So if you don't eat in the morning, you tend and like I, I wake up and I do my my business. Mm-mm. So yeah, uh, and if I did have to fart really bad, I would excuse myself. Yeah, to the bathroom and then and then <laughs> the rest do the, of the session. Do and the, the toilet. De- <laughs> do the decent thing. <laughs> Where's Dylan?
0: I keep doing oh. yoga in toilet. Yes. <laughs> That's why they need bigger space and the wind is just going through. That's why Nirvana space is good.
1: It's like uh, George Carlin, the comedian. Yeah. He's like, uh, he he did this bit like uh, with smoking, right? Um, you know, where people always be like, hey, do you mind if I smoke? He'd be like, no. Do you mind if I fart? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it stinks, right? But Yeah, yeah it stinks. <laughs> uh, you
1: know, if you're going to smell, if I got to smell yours, you're going to smell mine. Like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's a good point. That's a yeah. good point.
1: That's, that's a, and I still think about that anytime like someone smokes by me. Yeah. And like in California is really nice because people don't smoke uh, in public areas. But here, like I'm remodeling oh, my house, and like every single one of my workers, Oof. they're I I they literally all live with a cigarette inside yeah. of their mouth. At least they smoke cloves, which are less offensive than like regular cigarettes, but. It's still How like, is
0: it less offensive? They still stink.
1: But I just, they don't stink as bad to me. Really? I, yeah. They I, they stink, but they're just not as bad. Um, but but yeah, when I'm like sitting down somewhere and someone like smoking by by me, I always want to be like, "Do you hey? Do you mind if I fart?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just thought it's a polite thing yeah. to say. Yeah. Just uh, I'm going. I'm
1: actually going to do it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> you know so. But I thought I'd let you know, just so you could look. Just so you like don't look at me or <laughs> wonder where it's coming from. Just like so, I don't have to wonder. You, like I'm not wondering where your stink's coming
0: from. From firefighting, and, um, and are you uh, still trying to go through my life? <laughs> a little bit. It's not about where I've been. Oh, it's about where you're going to. It's not I about keep where I'm that. going either. No, it's where I am. It's where you are. Where are yeah. you? I'm it's here right
1: now, talking to you.
0: Dody Studio. <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> what kind of listeners do you have? The best ones.
1: No, really. What's your demographic? What do uh, I have no de- idea. No? <laughs> I have some,
0: most of the people who are subscribed to my YouTube channel, my friends. Yeah. <laughs> it's like,
1: please subscribe. So we're just talking, <laughs> you know, it's the most important thing if you want to be successful at anything in life mm. is to have a good group of cheerleaders. Oh yeah. And, and it's like just people that support you and support everything that you do. I think most of them are going to unsubscribe now because you just called them cheerleaders. <laughs> hey, I I am where I'm at today because of my cheerleaders, Or just like you have people that like will root for you, mm. that that want you to do well. Um, that's one of the things like leaving the fire department is like no one there is a cheerleader for you. Everyone is a cheerleader for themselves, mm. right? Uh, but when I when I got into yoga, one of the things that I, especially when I when I moved to LA, so when I started teaching, I. I taught in a small town and my classes were full. There's only two yoga studios there, so there wasn't a lot of options. There wasn't like all these amazing teachers that I had to compete with. You know, there was just like you're the teacher on the schedule. And people came to your class. Mm. So I had these full classes. And then when I went to LA there was so much competition and everybody had been teaching forever and it was super hard to get in, in into any studios. But I had friends that believed in me, that thought I was a good teacher and they went out and like had my back and rooted for me. And it's mm. like really really because of of uh the friends that I had there that I'm where I'm at now and like so i in the same way i try to be people's cheerleaders because i know how important that is to to like get out there and and
0: like support yeah, your friends that's true that's why i'm here yeah she's my cheerleader hey, yeah she, where are your yeah. pompons oh i just have tassels <laughs> there under
1: my shirt no but like yeah That wire is
0: bugging you. It it is. It is my OCD (laughs) here, and how it's just
1: like sticking. We gotta pull it down. I look at yours. Yours looks nice. (laughs) It's amazing how your life changes when. And it's funny, like you go back to like what your parents said to you about you're Mm. not doing it for us. You're doing it for yourself. But it's amazing how your life changes when you're actually not doing it for yourself.
0: Mm. True.
1: And and also, it, it takes the pressure off. You know, like we have so much pressure to be something that we think that we should be or succeed in a way that we think we need to, or whatever. Like there's this idea that we need to accomplish or get to a certain level or a certain goal. Mm -hmm. And no one cares about that, but you, but if you think about like, well, how can I just help other people? And like that, and as soon as you, you change it from, it all being about what you could do for yourself and and to what you could do for other people, you notice like how you realize you're at the place you wanna be already. And then, and that's like really where you start to grow. And um, in yoga philosophy, they have uh, these things called the gunas, which is how energy manifests itself in the universe. And there's three levels of gunas. There's uh, the upward rising one, which is called rajas. The names aren't important. The downward one, or, or sorry. Uh, Rajas is, is not actually upward, it's it's outward and expands. Mm-hmm. And so but it's like the energetic one. But you think if you use a lot of energy it eventually you run out of it? And so the, the balance of that's kinda of, is tamas, and tamas is is the grounding and consolidating. So it takes the energy and it pulls it back to center and it roots it down. And then you have sattva, and sattva is meant to be the, is the middle one. But the energy is actually ascension. When tamas and rajas, when these two are balanced, then sattva is imbalanced. And it's the only time that sattva arises. And this is where spiritual growth comes from. So the ascension is like, is when you're imbalanced, you actually grow. Um, and it's, it's an amazing thing when you stop going out there. and you, So they, they have different modes. The rajas is to do, tamas is to have, and sattva is to be. But it's the, the to be is where you grow. And so if you live always in to do, you'll burn mm. out. And then when you burn out, you eventually go to to have. And so then it's like that's to have is where you die. That's that's the that's winter. There's the fi- fire
0: department. That's where you yeah, die. Yeah, that's where you <laughs> die. So you just go there to die.
1: Um you need the one's not better than the other. Like you need to have all three. All three need to be in. Balance. How to
0: figure the balance then?
1: Uh, it's it's easy when you start to feel exhausted,
0: mm-hmm. you rest. Okay.
1: When you feel rested, you go.
0: And and. But do you go to the point where you get to feel again exhausted or you go to the but point where
1: you don't need you don't need to. You just you, you you start to find balance. You start to feel like this is what I need to do and then there's a certain it's when those two are in balance that the third one arises on its own. Mm-hmm. And this is like the the being. It's like you're you know you're doing your purpose, you know you're you're out there doing what you're supposed to do. And you know you're also enjoying. Th- to have the, the Thomas is comfort, right? And as we know like as as a doer, as a fellow doer, like comfort is is the worst thing, mm. right? You never want to feel comfortable, but if all you do is do, you are not going to last long. True, right? Like every every marathon runner, no matter how good they are, eventually hits that wall and burns out. Mm. And the the more that you push, the the greater your chances
0: of, of like catastrophically burning out. That's know? so interesting that we you talk about burning out now, because. Um, <clears throat> Because it's been lately that people, my close friends are saying, like, Renard's are going to burn out. It's like yeah. this, I'm trying to do so many things at the same time. And, and I know back in my head that it's not right, but I feel like this is the opportunity and I should go with it. But then I sit down, I have no time for things when I'm so passionate, like stand-up, where you need constantly writing and practicing. And I'm like, today, uh, one of my stand-up comedian uh, colleagues came to a coffee shop and he's like, oh, Renard's, I haven't seen you in practice for, th- for like four weeks. What's going on? I'm like, oh, I'm just so busy with this, with this, and and he's like, oh, well, very sorry that I, we don't see you anymore. And then I'm like, this is one of my things. This is the thing what I really want to do. And I just push it aside because I have these other things. But wh- when do I say no? When do I say like, stop being busy? Hmm. Stop being busy.
1: How to do that? It's easy. Make so if you want if you want room for growth, you have to create space. So you have to clear your table, or just change your timeline. Mm. Or just just stop piling so many things on your plate. Start enjoying the things that you're doing. Have you been there? Oh yeah, when I I mean I saw it just in being a yoga teacher. When I when I thought my my path to success was teaching as many classes I, as I could, and it was also what I needed to do to survive. So I was teaching on the schedule eighteen classes a week. Plus I was subbing as many classes as I could plus I had privates plus I was saying yes to every event. And, and at that time, like it was necessary, I needed that grind. And I think there is, there's a time where you need Mm -hmm. to grind. Uh, but again, it's, you can't do that forever because eventually you just burn out. I started cutting out yoga classes so that I could do things that were more fulfilling. Also, I noticed when I did less classes, the classes I did have were better, and I had more people in there. There was less opportunity. Like Instead of teaching 18 classes, I cut it down to 10. Then I cut it down to six, and then I cut it down to three. And I think when I was the most popular, the height of my like, teaching public classes, I was teaching three classes a week, and they were all waitlisted, listed and, mm. and I had a lot of time to create a good class. And I also had time for myself to enjoy my, my life, and I became a better teacher because I got to work on me more. It wasn't mm-hmm. always just like this outward. Um, so that there is a balance. Like once you find that, then you then you start to grow, and and that's one of the hardest things I did was I gave all that up so that I could start traveling and teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, the more that I let it go, the more opportunities that I had. But. It, it's it's a scary place to be to let things go to let the things that you really want grow mm-hmm. so yeah you don't have to give it, it I the the best advice for that is to do it gradually don't just be like one day this and the next day just like okay because mm-hmm. that that's gonna send you into another place but you yeah. let you just let a little bit go at a time mm-hmm. and you see how that space is filled and what it's filled with mm-hmm. because we're we, you know, it doesn't matter how, like I say, don't be busy. You have 24 hours in the day. Hopefully you're sleeping for eight of those. And then <clears throat> maybe another two hours of that is eating. And the rest of the time you're doing something, mm. you know, what, whatever that is, it doesn't matter what it is. You're going to be doing something. But if you're doing something that makes you feel like you're busy and you're running from one thing to another, you're going to burn out. But if you're doing something, that's like, oh, okay. This is the time where I do my, like, bahasa lessons, or this mm. is the time where I, I spend with my girlfriend, or this is the time where I study anatomy or I work on... You know, like, I'm, I'm very big into schedules, uh, because schedules, you don't feel busy with a schedule. Mm. You, feel, you feel busy when you're just constantly running from one thing to another. You're trying to fit things into it. But if you... I say let's, let's get rid of the word schedule and and move into like routine. Mm -hmm. So like I wake up early in the morning, I have my morning me time, which is, you know, like my, that's it's, I wake up before my girlfriend does that way. I just, I have that time alone and that's really important to me to have that. And then I go to the gym and I, you know, do my handstands and all the stuff that, that, that I need, like I need to be physical every single day. Um, because it makes me feel good and that's that's a very selfish thing that i do the non-selfish thing about it is i know when i do that that i'm more mindful and i treat people better just like having that morning time Mm -hmm. you know it's i need that time for me but i know the non-selfish part of that is if i have that time for me i'm more aware i'm
0: more conscious i'm i'm more forgiving it's like maintaining maintaining your apparatus maintaining your body and soul
1: and, and sometimes, like I know, I need like so much time playing video games or whatever. Like <laughs> just just because my mind is so filled all the time, mm. I need something to
0: empty it. Yeah, um, that's what I feel sometimes. Like with the video games, you just kind of turn everything off yeah. and it just kind of chills. Yeah. Or for me, the the best way I clear my mind or don't think about any any things. It's like training, but especially swimming. I find out if I do laps, just go back and forth, back and forth, and I just my mind doesn't that's, think that's about That's your yoga, bro.
1: Yeah. That's how yoga shows up for you.
0: Yeah, that's the thing I wanted to ask you about as well, like meditation and how many different ways people can meditate and what works for some people. And, you know, like, obviously now it's known that it's no one way or, you know, this is how you have to meditate, legs and pretzel. And, you know, and um, I think I can even meditate when I do... Uh, speed riding on a motorbike is that is that possible can you meditate i mean it
1: depends on what your definition of meditation is and it Mm -hmm. depends on what you're trying to get out of it Mm. so meditation generally you have a pathway and you have a goal with anything you have a pathway and you have a goal so um like traditionally you'd have two different types of meditation one is shamatha which means tranquility the other one is vipassana which means insight so like understanding yourself and those two aren't exclusive from each other. You meaning you could do both at the same mm-hmm. time. And then also along that there's a lot of different subsections off of that, but generally like how, um, and this is like the beginning levels of meditation. Cause you could go deeper where you're really trying to find like the, the disillusion of self. Um, but let's, let's keep it super easy on, on this yeah. one. Cause, cause you could go way deeper. Basically the, the, the caveat to this is that there is more than what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but two ta- different types of meditation. One, I'm meditating because I'm trying to feel good. Mm-hmm. So this could be a bit, or or whatever, like a visualization meditation, right? Brings me to a place of tranquility. Or I used to do a lot of visualization meditations when I was rock climbing. When I'd get into a really hard problem, I would go through every single move in my mind and just imagine myself doing it over and over and over till i committed it to memory and you could call that meditation some people might not you know it's like meditation's kind of become this l- looser word basically when when i really when i think about meditation i think about finding the tendencies of the mind and from from that it, other things will arise you know one that you and your mind are not different you know, like we often think like we're there's a person behind the mind, there's someone behind the thoughts, watching those thoughts. And those two things are different, but we, those things are the same. Um, and which is a journey of under, like, first you have to understand what, what the mind is doing. Uh, and so the mind always wants to go what's to the most interesting. That's, that's generally yeah. like, you know, uh, so if you're sitting there and you hear something that's more, more interesting than, than listening to the breath or focusing on the breath or if a thought comes up about your past or about your future or whatever, those are all more interesting than just focusing on the breath. And so you start to recognize, well, where does the mind want to wander and what does it want to go to? And and that teaches you about yourself. And then it's, uh, the mind's like an animal. If you think about it, it's like a, if you've ever had a dog before, when you get a dog as a puppy, they're untrained, they just pee wherever they want poop wherever Mm. they want and so if you go to try to train that dog and you start yelling at it and scolding it and rubbing its face and it's and it's yuck or whatever then um, that always works yeah then there's that it's not it's that's not how you really train a dog you take the dog outside he goes to the bathroom outside he go, good boy good boy oh Mm -hmm. that's a good boy and then you, you reward it that way. It's like kind of the same thing with meditation. As your mind wanders, you notice that it wanders, and you start to train it by rewarding it. Oh, I, my mind wandered. Good job. Like uh, I do counting, and so I, I inhale, exhale one, or inhale, exhale two, right? So counting the breath like this. Mm-hmm. And I'm just focusing on the breath, and then something else comes, comes up, and uh, I go oh, that was a thought, that was a future, that was a story, that was the past or whatever. I label it as, as that as whatever it is and I come back to the breath. And I'm always trying to get back to one. I'm never trying to get to 10. because the goal isn't to make it to ten. the goal is to recognize the thoughts. Wow. And so once I recognize the thoughts, that tells me something about myself. What am I you know and then I, I, after my meditation, I usually don't think about it in my meditation because that's thoughts. And the goal is not necessarily not to think, but to recognize what you're thinking because the mind's always going to think. It's always looking for what's more interesting mm-hmm. than the breath. So I call that meditation. Some people, for them, it's more that, that shamatha. So maybe being out on, on a motorcycle or swimming or skydiving or whatever well, that... Walking <clears>
0: on the beach when people do in the yeah, mornings. And stuff. Or running.
1: <clears throat> so all those things bring you in a, a, a sense of tranquility. Mm-hmm. And that's... But that's only going to bring you a sense of tranquility. It's never going to give you anything more than that. Mm. Not saying that that tranquility is not important. Of course it is. We all need that. We need to feel at peace. We need to feel comfort. But if you really want to grow from meditation, it's a little it's a little bit more
0: strict than that. Do you think everyone should try meditation? Mm. Are right. there people who don't need meditation? Are there people who are all... They should,
1: should, need. Yeah. I mean, these it's, it's so subjective. I don't know. If, if if you feel like you should or if you feel like you need to, then you probably should. And if you feel like you don't, then you're not ready anyways. Mm.
0: Or just as we talked before about opening your horizons and widening your horizons, learning more about your body and your soul and, and your mind. And that could be one yeah. of those things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think once you, if you start with like a seated meditation practice and you spend time like going through and understanding the thoughts arise, then as you progress with that, it, your meditation doesn't need to be there only. Mm. It starts to become a part of your, like everything in your life because you've trained your mind that way. It's like, it, uh, yeah. So when your thoughts come up, when you're just doing other things, you recognize them coming up because you trained your mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, ha- like having a well-trained dog, you know. But also there, there, there needs to always be a little bit of forgiveness with that. Like uh, my, when I had a dog, he was he was very good. I'd have him, you know, sit mm. and I'd pour his food in front of him and he wouldn't eat until I told him it was okay to eat or I told him to stay. I could, like, go and do anything and he would stay until um, until I gave him the command not to. But if I told him to stay and he was sitting there and then a squirrel ran by like his training only goes so far mm. and the better trained you are the, the less reactive you become and i think that's a really important thing in life is to understand how to be react or to be active and not reactive not reactive yeah. reactivity is important to keep us safe we need it but almost in every situation to be active is more important and mm. like as a stuntman you know mm. like you're you need to act. You're never reacting. Mm. Like you, you expect something to come. Mm. And when you see it coming, you make the action that keeps you safe. You know, it's like if I threw a ball at your face and you didn't know it was coming, you might like throw your hands up and mm. be like, you know, whatever. And, and that <laughs> that's would <what> I do <laughs> That's I, I know. Cause I've done this before with you and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that would be a reaction. But yeah. if you knew the ball was coming, then you would just catch it like a normal person mm. though which would mm. be an action but that's a lot of times like when we get into a situation um that it triggers us let's say emotionally triggers us makes us feel a certain way attacks who we are as a person attacks our identity or whatever if and then thoughts and anger and feelings come up and then so we become reactive mm. rather than you understand your mind, you see those things come up and you go, okay, this is, I'm feeling this way because this person triggered this, which came from my childhood, which has nothing to do with this person. And so now, instead of being like, Oh, I'm a victim and I'm reacting or whatever, whatever it is. Mm. It's like now it's like, I understand that I recognize this. And then you could take action, which is almost always, if I would say always more intelligent than Mm -hmm. just reacting. So I think meditation really helps
0: for that. Okay, so this last segment, we kind of uh, finishing and talking a little bit about books, movies, uh, about people who kind of inspired you, like all of these things what kind of shaped you, your life and something what you really cherish. Um, and for books, um, uh, one of the first ones, which I could straight away to relate, and and I've read it already in the past, and I re-listened it in an audio version. It's The Sapiens. Mm. And this book is definitely just... Very in, with very interesting concepts and, and how, explaining how humans are working and how, how we what, explain certain things, why we do what we do. And I think one of my favorite bits is about when they talk why the sapiens uh, kind of got, they, they they were more advantage or they had more advantage over the other species it was about that like how we would tell the stories and how we tell the tales and like how we would uh, continue these stories from generation to generation which uh, essentially becomes a collective knowledge and that's how we are you know much better than the other ones. How about you? How is what was your kind of uh, reasons why you enjoy this book?
1: It's actually in, I just go off of what you just brought up. Uh, Richard Dawkins um, he wrote a book called The Selfish Gene. Mm-hmm. And he talked about well, one thing that we pass on in every generation are our genes. Mm. And he's actually the one in that book that he coined the term meme. Mm. So a, a meme is is meant to be like a gene that we pass on, but it's a behavioral trait. That that's oh, yeah. wh- that's where the word originated from. Uh, and so, it, and because memes are essentially cultures passed on, that we're. With language and communication and stories, we're able to essentially change our evolution much quicker than than our genes or mm-hmm. the evolution of genes. And so, behavioral traits and how we went from mm-hmm. agriculture to like um, uh, industry to technology to like whatever we are now, mm-hmm. AI, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, has has been through this. Our ability to pass information more than just just genes on because if you look at other species that don't have language they don't have writing they don't have stories they're basically kind of stuck to whatever their genes are are Mm -hmm. going down i mean there are a little meme stuff but yeah that's a really interesting thing that uh, that book had. i read three of his books the sapiens the homo deus and then 21 lessons for the 21st century Mm -hmm. So I think all those books are really impactful and um, you've all know Harari, the the author, he's also someone that does a lot of meditating. Mm. Uh, I think he spends like maybe half the year doing like meditation or something, but like that's where a lot of his ideas come from, is from that deep contemplation. Uh, one of the things that was kind of interesting that opened my eyes to a lot of a lot of things is with, with truth, all, all when you think about truth, um, a lot of times when I write on my Instagram or I wrote a book or any anything that I'm trying to explain, I try to do it as close to the truth as possible mm-hmm. and as little opinion. And I think all, all the truths that are there are always there because that's what makes them truth. Truth is, in yoga, the word for truth uh, is sat, which means eternal. Mm-hmm. And so... Not direct translation like that, but it's a, the unchanging truth, like meaning if it's true in the past, it's, it'll be true in the future. In, in, in sapiens, they talk about three different truths, subjective, objective, and intersubjective. Uh, intersubjective truths are the truths that we believe in um, that are only true because a group of us believe in. Mm-hmm. So this this idea, like each one of these ideas from, from the book, like I've, I've spent a lot of time kind of contemplating in deeper thoughts of it. So he doesn't go so deep into intersubjective truths in there, but it's money, borders, you know, uh, titles. And one of the things that I, that I started to think about with intersubjective truths, that all these things that are only true because that we believe that they're true, all of them only have one function, and that's to create separation mm. you know a title like doctor or lawyer or president or vice president whatever it is like that is to say that this person is as a role or separate but that role doesn't actually really exist or that person is not really that thing it's only there because we say it it's real borders same thing create separations between countries like there are no no borders when you look mm. from space unless you're in an island you know and then you're bordered by the ocean but yeah. Uh, Indonesian, here's an island nation that has a border that's not bordered by the, you know, Bali's borders. It was like, that's Bali, but the island, but we're still part of Indonesia. Uh, yeah, or people, or money. Like, money is one of those great things that doesn't mean anything, or crypto. There's there's one that really does only exist, mm. you know, because we believe it exists, but the more that you have of money or whatever, it puts you in different social, economical classes, and it's, and Yeah, All these things create separation, which is really interesting because intersubjective truths are the least true of all the truths because as soon as we stop believing in them, they no longer exist. And when you think about it like separation, when you stop believing in these intersubjective truths, then separation also goes away with it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but do yeah, think,
0: do you think that one of the beginnings for them was like something like religion? Like when uh, someone with a great charisma comes up and says, listen, you guys, if you're not gonna believe in this and this God, then it's gonna smart you and it's gonna punish you and whatever. And these people, oh, let's believe it. Let's let's, and then they can kind of convince them and they continue just pushing their agenda and their rules and like obviously gaining stuff out of these people who they control and who they. Well, I mean, definitely
1: that's like a big subject you could go into, but if we make it a little less, uh attacky to the people that believe in religion i would say i would
0: go more to beginnings how it started
1: yeah we could we could say that it's the stories yeah right a religion is um you know if talk about let's let's get one like uh believing in like zeus or Mm. athena or you know Mm. whatever like these are these are stories but because people are only able to trust so many people if we all trust a story mm-hmm. then i could trust you because you believe in the same story that i believe in right and so that definitely helped Yeah. yes so that, <laughs> that's what it comes down to like kind of like trusting these things and yes there was a lot of control there especially through religion because hmm. you know man's law only goes so far but god's law mm-hmm. you know if you don't you not only are going to pay here but you're also going to pay afterwards yeah and that's uh that's not
0: yeah, and the end of the day was just like the, to sell that story and that, to convince people that this is the truth. Because, you know, back in the days, you couldn't check out all these facts and, and like Google and whatever. So you go to church, that's the local place where the smart people or the priest is. they the one person who can read and write in, a, in the whole village. I don't know, for some reason, I'm just going to cave, cave <laughs> very small villages in Eastern Europe. Uh, but then, yeah, well, the priest said, then it must be truth. You know but
1: yeah and you definitely say religions the inner subjective truth because look at how many religions that are that people don't believe in anymore that are no longer religions because mm. people stop believing mm-hmm. and so if you stop believing in God does God still exist and that's a pretty exactly pretty uh deep the- theological question yeah you know that that people that believe would say of course God still be- still yeah. exists but you know if no one's believing yeah, anyways, don't want to get too deep into that <laughs> yeah. one. And then like subjective truths and objective truths. So th- these are also really important. Like um, I feel like I've talked about these a lot on po- uh, podcasts, but it, it is something that this has kind of shaped how I look at life in general. It's mm-hmm. like objective truth is the truth. It is the absolute truth. And the difficult thing about objective truth is we will never know it. And the reason why we'll never know it is like how we talked about in in the beginning is we're always looking through through truth through our lens. Mm -hmm. And we can't remove that lens. So our subjective truth is always going to be the truth that we see. And we can only see it from ourselves. And so we'll never see ourselves because we're the ones looking. So we can never see ourselves objectively because it's always going to be through that lens. But this is where perspective, I think tying the whole thing all together comes from, is we could step farther and farther away from ourselves and we stop seeing truth as subjectively as as we do. And it's, we'll never see objective truth, but at least we could understand that it's there. And I think just that in itself is important enough to try to look for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a powerful book for me in a a lot of ways, which is which is interesting because like the majority of the book is just about, you know, the the history of man and how we came about. But he does bring some very deep questions. Um, Yeah. So, I, I pondered a lot about it.
0: Great book. Yeah, it yeah. is <clears throat> definitely. And then I try to get to into the other two books um, uh, Being Nobody, Going Nowhere by Aya Kema. Aya Kema, yeah. yeah. She, is a, she was a Buddhist monk. Yeah, and The Way of Zen. Uh, but at the audio versions, what I got, I'm, I'm honestly, I could not concentrate. It was monotonous, it was very mm. difficult to comprehend. But if you can just uh, uh, tell me a little bit about why these two books. Uh,
1: being nobody going nowhere is yeah it's just it's a just a deep philosophical book on uh, written by a Buddhist monk uh, kind of a lot of Buddhist philosophy and just mm-hmm. uh, the path or the journey of understanding the self you know the middle way um, which I I tend to I yeah, it is. It is maybe a, a harder one, especially. It's not like a gateway book mm. for coming into into this type of philosophy because it requires a bit of kind of like a little bit of knowledge or understanding al- already. It's like the first time I came to Bali, I went and saw some uh, a Swami talk at the Banyan Tree, and he has a following here. I don't know if he still talks. Here. This was, this is like uh, eleven years ago or so and he was talking about non-duality and it was the first time i ever heard about non-duality which is crazy because it's it's something that i think about all the time and like Mm -hmm. especially being a yogi or in bali you hear all the time but if you're not in that scene or in buddhism whatever it's Mm. it doesn't make any sense and non-duality means that there's not two and the idea that there's not two doesn't the reason why i say not two is because you can't have one without two right right and so that's why they make that distinction another way to say that there's not two is there's the whole Uh, it's the the illusion so in in yoga they talk about maya maya means illusion that we're separate and this is going back to like separation i I believe especially in buddhism and it talks about a lot in being nobody going nowhere separation is one of the the roots of suffering Mm -hmm. attachment and connection this is a really hard idea for most people to understand because it's our nature to be attached to things. If I'm attached to things, am I attached to something? I want it to make me happy. So I don't want it to change. And if it changes, then my happiness changes with that. And so like we were talking in the break, we both recently lost our, our fathers. And so, you know, we're attached to our fathers, to Mm -hmm. being, you know, it's my dad mm-hmm. he's going to be there when I get married when I have yeah. kids and all these all these things and now he's gone and so he's not going to be there for any of those things mm-hmm. and so you we we both lost something with that and that's the attachment and he, when you have that then you that there's a bit of happiness that goes and you feel a loss from that separation but I don't know if you feel this yet or not but i I definitely do like after my father being gone for for it's' Uh, I guess it's been a year and a half now I feel what's left, which is the connection. And this is what, like, we're different, but we're not separate. Mm. And we only feel separate because we have this subjective point of view. And like now, like I feel my father, like it, and like not being a a religious person or whatever, but I actually feel the connection that I have with Mm. them because once this, once the the suffering fades, the pain fades, then the connection is what's left and the the love is what's left. And then Mm. that love, you know, will never go Mm. because that's actually the truth going back to that idea that truth is unchanging. And so this is kind of, this has helped me even more understand this idea that we're, we're not separate. We're all connected. Like I, I truly feel my father. I don't know if, yeah, yeah, I was just
0: wanted to say that definitely there's so many cases um, like an everyday thing. I would say, oh, how would my dad would deal with this? Oh, he would actually do this. Should I do that? Do I think the same way? Yeah, and this time I can, it's like very often I can feel like uh, my father's presence and the way I act, the way I talk, because like we were very sim- similar, very extrovert and and like he was that crazy party person, like attracting attention. But um, one of the main reasons why my my dad passed away was alcoholism, so he was alcoholic. And uh, he never knew when to stop continuing partying. In me, very early, I learned I don't want to end like my dad. So I always knew that's my break. Okay, no, that's it, I'm done. You know, I would walk, go, go away from the party, whatever that is. And he would kind of didn't have that point of break. Um, and that's one of the things he taught me to have yeah. that point of break to not to end up like him and stuff, but there are so many other beautiful things. So
1: with my dad, it was skydiving. Really? No, it's cancer, <laughs> but, <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but he would have enjoyed that joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Shout out.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so this, yeah, connection is what is real since the attachment that's, mm-hmm. that's not real. And so this idea that we're, we're not, we're not separate. We're not different. It's whole, you know, mm-hmm. we're all one. Um, but that's, I mean, that's one that I'm still playing with and contemplating, uh, this, I, this idea of non-dualism. And -hmm. I think the important thing with any philosophy is when we, when we take a philosophy, you look at it and and you say like, how is this useful? How can I actually use this philosophy to, to better my life? And if it's not doing that, then it's not a good philosophy. But I found with this non-dualism, like this idea of like seeing you as me and me as you, is is, is really helpful. It opens you up for compassion, mm-hmm. for love, mm-hmm. for diminishes suffering. It it's um helps you understand people because you essentially we're all the same. You yeah. know, like I said in the beginning, you know, if you when you listen to someone's story, why stories are so captivating is because we see ourselves in those stories. They make sense to us because mm-hmm. a good story captures the the human condition Mm. and since we're all humans we're all sharing that condition yeah yeah um good book recommend reading it especially if you want a a little bit deeper into it it is a it is a challenging one the way of zen that one uh i think is that one that one's not yeah
0: the way of zen by alan watts
1: that's i think that's a bigger book i didn't when he asked for my book recommendations i didn't know you're going to be listening to them uh alan watts I think, I, I can't even tell you what's in the way of Zen. Mm-hmm. I think that was maybe the first one, or maybe I just gave you one, because I've read almost all of his books, if not all of them, as well as listened to uh, a lot of his lectures. And he's just, he just speaks truth. And even though, I think he died in the 70s. Yeah. Um, Maybe later. Don't uh, don't hate me if I don't know when Alan Watts actually died. But uh, everything that he says makes so much sense to me, and I think that's I think that's when you know when you're listening to truth is because mm. when someone says it, and you've
0: never heard it before, it just makes sense. And it was a long time ago as well. And it was a long like time like the ago. the values, and that that is still yeah. there.
1: Yeah, I probably read that book, mm. uh, probably twelve years ago is when i read the first alan watts book yeah i think i read i think the i read um be here now which is ram Mm das and then uh someone said if you if you like if you like ram das and you which i I love ram das a lot then you love alan watts and i was like okay check it out and then i was just like love it first sight you know nice yeah, cool. so anything Alan Watts, I, I recommend any, like, if you just want to hear some truth and, and listen to his lectures, he's pretty mm-hmm. charismatic as well. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's got a good...
0: What was he doing? Is he, so he was professor of philosophy or what was he teaching? Uh,
1: His life is kind of interesting. So he actually started in like seminary um, to be a priest. To be a priest yeah. yeah, and then I think he's a pretty strong atheist as well uh, now, but... Yeah, he was a, a lecturer, hmm. philosopher, author. Nice one.
0: And yeah, and that's that's also one of your favorite peep- people. Uh, but before yeah. we go to people, I want to talk movies, because that's the area where I'm more... knowing and uh, I don't know maybe I can open you some some truths (laughs) about Mm. movie stuff what
1: movies did I tell you because we 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 originally set up to do this like a year ago yeah yeah yeah, I
0: did because I dig this up and I said is this still your truth oh I'm going to use this a lot no is this still your truth Uh, the movies were Fight Club uh, Dumb and Dumber and uh, The Matrix yes
1: Those are some good movies. My my girlfriend probably hasn't seen any of them.
0: (laughs) She wasn't born then yet. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) She was born. (laughs) Matrix came out in 99. She was wearing very nice diapers in those days. Matrix
1: came out in 99. I remember because I graduated high school in 99 and I remember watching it in the theater and we got there late. And so I had like the very front row all the way to the, the end. And it was like this massive screen and it starts with a cursor blinking in the corner. And all I saw was a blank screen and my buddy was like hitting me and going like pointing (laughs) up to the corner. I'm like, uh, and then I I came back and watched it again. But yeah, that, that, that movie is a very philosophical movie in so many ways. And it, and it, it does ask a lot of like kind of Buddhist questions and, um,
0: and the crazy thing is, like, it's I, I love to talk about these movies with people who were who grew up in different parts of the world. So you saw it in the States, in, like, the cinema. I saw this movie on a shitty VCR in, like, well, my, my dad brought this uh, whatever from somewhere. It was very horrible quality with the Russian... Uh, dubbed uh, voiceover. Oh. It wasn't even in English. And I think I was also like high school, about to graduate high school around that time. Uh, but then most likely also that film came to us like two years later than you, when you saw it. Um, but for me, again, like at the beginning, I just was mesmerized by all the martial arts because at the time I was, you know, doing karate and like doing like wall flip. I was like, how oh, did they do it? You know, for me, those the big ones. But obviously every time I watched it again and again, then I started thinking, oh, the blue pill, br- the, the, the red pill, blue pill, what does that represent? Like, you know, and then, and even today, if you watch it, you're going to be like, oh, what did, what did they mean by that? You know, yeah. it's one of those movies. Yeah.
1: Like, um, I mean, that goes into the Indian philosophy of of Maya, mm. you know, the red pill, blue pill of like, so the Indians see the, the world as illusion. Um, and the illusion is so good that you believe it. And mm-hmm. if you go a little bit deeper into it, when we talk, talk about that non-dualism, mm-hmm. so they, they describe it as an upside down Banyan tree. So a tree where the, the branches grow down and, roots and the up. roots grow up. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that's in the Bhagavad Gita. And the only place that you will see that in nature is the reflection uh, of, of a tree growing by by a lake or a pond. Mm-hmm. You'll, you could look and you could see the tree where it's, it's upside down. And if the water is still, so this is like talking about the mind and meditation. So if I'm thinking about uh, if my mind's all over the place in yoga, these are called vrittis. Vrittis are modifications or changes in the mind. So if you mm-hmm. think about this pond, it's got ripples, it's got leaves, it's got debris, and so the reflection is really muddy. You can't mm-hmm. see reality that well. But as you clear the mind, clear the mind, Neo. As you clear the mind and you clear the debris and the water stills, then you get to see the truth, what mm-hmm. it is. But you're still looking at a reflection. And we will always look at the reflection because again, we, we think that we're different Mm -hmm. or we think that we're separate. The, the reality is that we're not. And so that's what, what it takes to look up.
0: I think also uh, around that time, that's where I already went to uni. um, I think the matrix kind of represented the government in my eyes, someone who can give you all this kind of, um, false information and you start making you believe in these things. It's like, this is a matrix and you live in it. And you kind of, that was the first time when I started thinking that way. And it's such a, like a a thought provoking film. And, and it's amazing how, you know, it just went like a wildfire around the world Mm. and people start kind of thinking about this stuff.
1: I remember all the ads uh going up for it was like what is the matrix Mm -hmm. it was like this very ambiguous kind Mm -hmm. of thing and so there's all this like what's the matrix what is the matrix you know
0: (laughs) um yeah so Dumb and Dumber, uh, the first time I saw it, I was like, what the hell is this? Like growing up with uh, Russian uh, kind of comedies, which were always had like very, like a deep thought and like very smart uh, sense of humor kind of thing. I was like, what the hell is Dumb and Dumber? But that was classic. It would, you know, it was kind of, now when I watch it, I was like, oh yeah, I can appreciate a lot of that stuff. When as a kid, I didn't understand. And Jim Carrey, like for me, it's huge. And the, the, what was the other actor's name? Uh, Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. Have you seen him in a film newsroom? The yes, TV series. Yes.
1: He's so good. It's so good. They're and the craziest thing, I,
0: I ever seen him only in Dumb and Dumber, and now I've seen him in newsroom, like this eloquent, like coherent news group. It's yeah. like,
1: what? Yeah. Dumb and Dumber. You mean you've had? two pairs of gloves you got an extra pair of gloves this whole time i haven't seen the movie in
0: forever <laughs> it's and i for can it. Still, still make so
1: many quotes
0: yeah. yeah and then the last film fight club um fight club, yeah just so good fight club but one cool thing what i can say from as a stunt as a stuntman i was working with um helena bottom carter yeah uh on alone home uh, and all homes too she was playing the uh nola is the the sister of the sherlock holmes yeah and she was playing the mother so we did this pretty cool fight scene where obviously uh, my ass got beaten up by nola holmes and uh so she was uh, she was there helena and um, like connor said we're like three days and uh, she's just such she's a. She's cool, married to Tim Burton, cool right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then apparently they live in separate houses or something. Oh. Like, cause my first, very, very first film I ever worked was with uh, on with Tim Burton, but I was extra. I was just getting uh, to uh, to qualify for to get on uh, British Stand Register, and you need to do the um, those days of extra days, certain amount, and then you can qualify. And I remember I was falling asleep on that Ferris wheel or something <laughs> what that's extra stuff it was boring but anyway so helena she was like yeah the most of the stunt guys around oh my god she's like this this big actress and stuff and i didn't really didn't click the dots who who is she and i was just very chill and actors feel that so well best
1: best line in fight club (laughs) i haven't been fucked like that since grade school (laughs) 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 oh my god (laughs) that's like what that's like one of the funniest I it, I don't. It actually might even be an outtake from from it. I don't even know if it's in the movie or if I just watched it like in one of the extended director's cuts or whatever. But but when Brad Pitt's like, yeah, she says some really fucked up shit in bed, and she's like, yeah, I haven't been fucked like that since grade school. I like, what? <laughs> I think one of those movies where oh the that's also has a lot of like philosophical. Uh, aspects of it as well which is kind of funny I mean Dumb and Dumber doesn't really so much it's just stupid which plays to like my the stupidness mm. like I'm a stupid person uh, and I like stupid things <laughs> yes thank you uh, but Fight Club Fight Club is really like it has this theme of like what is it, what is it like to hit rock bottom mm-hmm. you know you're not a beautiful and unique snowflake you're the all seeing all whatever j- shit of the world kind of Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was, I don't know, it like, I think also at the age, you know, it was, it was pretty young when it came out and when mm. I saw it and everyone wanted to start a fight club and it was mm. just, it was so cool with Brad Pitt and Edward Norton, just,
0: yeah. Brad Pitt's, uh, physique was insane. Yeah. Just, just like in snatch. In yeah. yeah. snatch, snatch, snatch maybe
1: wanted to get, that's actually why I'm covered in tattoos is cause that movie snatch. Yeah. Brad Pitt's all covered in... Don't, don't tell anybody. I should, <laughs> should, should never admit that to anybody. Uh, Brad Pitt. Because there's much know.
0: deeper meaning to it? <laughs> no, no. My,
1: my, Actually, I've covered up almost all my tattoos with other tattoos uh, that have no meaning. Hmm. They don't really have meaning. I mean, I have some little meaning things, but I didn't want to have meaning to my tattoos anymore because my old tattoos had meaning. I still have one on my back that I'm going to cover up that has meaning that I don't tell anybody about. <laughs> but yeah, hitting rock bottom which I think like it, it showed itself later in my life. Like when I, I think one of the reasons why I tried so hard as a, as a yoga teacher is because when I really just trained my life to be a firefighter paramedic, that was Mm -hmm. my career and had like this little bit of yoga teacher thing on the side. And when I lost my job, I I had just bought a house, which I couldn't afford, so I rented, I didn't lose the house, but I, I had to move out of the house because I couldn't afford it, so I rented it out. And it just really felt like I was kind of like, worked towards all these things. It was definitely not rock bottom. I could have gone way lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh but, but for me, it was like, I I needed to have basically the safety net pulled mm-hmm. out from mm-hmm. underneath me, that it was either like sink or swim kind of thing. Yeah. You like how I just take these movies and just make them about myself. Yeah. So that's, that's what it's, it's about. Beautiful. It's beautiful. Let's take whatever and just make it about you. But
0: exactly. rock bottom, listen, like the, I, I don't know about if it's the rock bottom, but the idea of how you're going to learn or how you're going to grow if you're not going to fail. Yeah. You know, it's like when, when as a kid, I don't know how it was in your family, in your community, in our community, if you're failing, that's bad. You're a failure, you know? No one ever said like, oh yeah, try, you fell. that's it, continue. The next one is going to work. We never had that.
1: You only there fail was, if you give up.
0: Yeah, and they mainly would say like, hey, listen, listen, probably you should stop, you've been failing too much or whatever, you know. And like, can we say the rock bottom is failing, as failing? It's just a really big failing, right?
1: I mean, everything in life happens in waves. There's, uh, as Alan Watts, to quote Alan Watts, it's peaks and troughs. Mm. So the peak is, the, the, the difficulty is with either the peak or the trough is you're usually never at the peak or at the trough. You're usually on one way. You're either on Mm. your way up or you're on your way down. Down, Right. And you, you don't usually recognize when you're, when you're at either the the top or the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little bit scary to be on the way up Mm. because if you're on the way up, you know, you're eventually going to be on the way down. <laughs> you know, because that—I mean—look at the stock market. Look at everything in life. That's that's the that is the nature of life is yeah. to move in waves. Uh, but as long as you understand that that where you are on that wave, that it's it's whether it's on the way up or the way down, that's going to change. Mm-hmm. You know, the fundamental uh, rule of the universe is that everything is always changing, continuously arising and returning to
0: source. What was the other saying that, that this uh, this two shall pass? This two shall pass, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't this matter This two ob- shall pass. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so
1: <laughs> So yeah, it's it's more important to ride the waves than like yeah, Ooh. if you if you're rock bottom oh. rock bottom doesn't stay rock bottom for long and and bottom always changes.
0: Yeah, and who else said, like, then um, uh, the greatest thing about rock bottom is when you hit it, there's no way lower down. So it's yeah. so only the only way out is up.
1: And honestly, we could
0: always go lower.
1: <laughs> you know, like, like, rock well, no one, I don't think, believe anyone's ever really hit rock bottom. Like, no matter how bad it uh, is. It could always be worse.
0: Imagine someone says like, "Oh, I hit such a rock bottom. I lost my Ferrari, and I'm driving now Prius." (laughs) Yeah, it could
1: be worse. I'm homeless. Oh, it could be worse. I'm incarcerated. It could be worse. Incarcerated in Kenya. It could be worse. You know, like oh shit. Yeah. You know, it's like it, it. there. It could always be worse. Yeah. And you could say the same thing. It could always be what it could always be better, but the. The only truth to it is it can't be anything other than what it is right now.
0: Mm. Favorite people. So we have Alan Watts, who we already talked about. Then there's Ram Dass and uh, Joseph Campbell.
1: Yeah, they're all basically the same type of person. Ram Dass, he was a yogi. He he started out as a professor and then got really big into acid. And then... (laughs) Yeah, was that,
0: it the one who was like famous acid guy who uh, was... Um, yeah, that
1: was his his partner, Timothy Leary. So ooh. Timothy Leary and Ram Dass. Right, right, right. Uh, they were both professors at Harvard. Timothy Leary got more into the into like the media and stuff, really stood mm-hmm. up for it. And Ram Dass. Uh, went to India, met his, his teacher, Neem Karoli Baba, and became a Bhakti Yogi, and then started sp- spreading this message of love and... Acid. yeah and that yeah <laughs> well like um who is it sam harris he talks a lot about like the power of of psychedelics and being able to expand the mind and think in different ways mm-hmm. that, that you can and that it's almost necessary for understanding like to do psychedelics uh i've never done acid though i think i would, I would like to try i've done psilocybin which mm. i i don't know are fun i've I expanded my mind before any kind of
0: drugs, so. Earlier when you said about intention, the things we need to do in life, like we meditate with intention. The first time, since, you know, English is my third language, uh, the first time I ever heard intention was like, when I wanted to do mushrooms in uh, Bali, and Uh, someone said, you have to have intention. And I'm like, what the fuck is intention? I just want to get high. Yeah, That's your intention, (laughs) I just want to have fun. Yeah, and I did, I had a really good time. (laughs) Yeah, that's important.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, Dass, uh He yeah, he just passed away not too long ago. Uh, really sad I never got to hear him speak. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: As a kid, do you remember, like, did you have any pivotal point, any person in your life who was, like, a, a guide, who was um, a mentor, who was told you something, what you remember all the entire life, whether it was bad or good, but it changed and shifted your life? Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I was just about to say the third, per- the fourth <laughs> person should be Hulk Hogan. Yeah, because you had the whole work- <laughs> workout stuff uh, when you did the training at home. With yeah. It. Uh, no, I, I grew up very
1: uninspired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's I was a stupid kid. I just like to play rock music, metal mostly, mm-hmm. and have fun like i wasn't a very deep thinker about anything i didn't wasn't a very f- forward thinker or future thinker or anything i was just like about having a good time mm. uh, i was a very good kid
0: mm. never I, got in trouble and stuff never got in trouble
1: no. never did any drugs not that drugs like are looking bad at, drugs i'm are like
0: look in the mirror right now this is really weird yeah because <laughs> <laughs> i was like also i remember kids uh people now would say oh you probably were the bad boy and stuff like no I was like, oh, you know, I like would train, I would uh, do stuff. Like I would maybe have some alcohol, but like only in like some big parties or whatever. And yeah. that it was, cause in my family, like the alcohol was such a big evil thing. Cause dad was drinking and my mom was like, if you ever drink, I would kill you in your sleep. Something like that, in those lines.
1: I actually hated weed for the longest time, or cannabis as my dad would say. Weed mm. is, was given to it or yeah, marijuana was a uh, name given to it by the government to make people, dislike it, yeah. I think, think it's from Mexico or Mexican, like that was a bad thing. Uh, uh, yeah, I was very against cannabis because my dad um, habitually smoked weed all day. And so I never never touched anything. Because the worst thing you could be as a, as a kid is to be like your dad. Mm. And then you grow up and you realize that you're exactly like him, <laughs> <laughs> you know?
0: But was that uh, when he was smoking, was he in any way like aggressive or anything like that? No, no, he was oh.
1: happy. Yeah. My dad, my dad was super charismatic. Like all my friends loved him. He was fun. Yeah.
0: See, I wish my dad would discover weed instead yeah. of alcohol. Man. My my
1: dad's drank for a bit, but he it he was an asshole when he drank, and mm. he and he quit drinking because he he realized he was an asshole. Mm. Uh, my dad had definite anger. That's what I, I never got from my dad was his anger. Uh, mm. My dad had a lot of anger issues and stuff. Mm. Uh, just no control. But you know, uh, like most people, we get more mature as we get older and, mm. and start to deal with our problems. Fortunately, it took my dad until he was an old man. I mean, he, he died at sixty-seven, so he wasn't that old. But it mm. took it took him uh, into his later years before he really
0: started to figure his stuff out. Yeah, yeah. Crazy stuff, man. Crazy. Life's crazy. Uh, but it's fun. It's fun to be part of it. It's fun to see these things happening, to experience it. And uh, what do you do? Do you do you ever have like, as you said, you don't really have anger, but if you do have, what is the way you deal with it? Is it meditation? Is it training? Is it? Because for me, it's definitely training. I just if I have any upsetting feeling, I go train. I'm definitely going to feel better afterwards. I used to. That used to be training, but I'd
1: like I'll get upset about something, but it'll be like, it'll be something like with my house that it's, you know, the, like the workers did something yeah. and I had to spend a bunch of extra money, but it's like little, thi- like, it's like, um, ah, sorry. I pulled my back and just like seized up at me. Like ah, when I move wrong, uh, and we have here yoga superstar, he just yeah, pulled his back. I pulled, I, <laughs> I pulled my back the, the other day. I don't, I don't know. actually have no
0: idea what I did, but, um, someone with the, all your knowledge doesn't know what happened. Yeah. Okay. Hey, <laughs> I don't know everything. Uh,
1: when, yeah, I don't really, I can't remember the last time I was upset or angry or anything like, I, like actually angry. Like if I'm upset, like I just like, oh, you know, this is a bad situation. But I don't let any of those negative emotions affect me in any way mm. ever. Like it never, never lasts. It's like, oh, this sucks. Okay. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah so I don't, I don't need to, I don't need to deal with any of them. I don't I feel like I used to, but I've been doing this work for a long time on myself and I think it works. <laughs> which is nice. You know, never never get advice from the person that's like, oh, this is how you do it, but they're still like
0: doing the same oh, yeah. shit, you know? Oh, yeah tell you how to work with your hair. Motherfuck, you know, especially like. <laughs> especially getting a, a fitness or nutrition advice from some uh, overweight uh, person. Yeah. That always works. Listen, we're almost there. Uh, just the last thing, um, I call it the bombs and bombs of wisdom. Uh, what would be your bombs of wisdom to, whether it's to young people or younger people or people who would be interested to go into yoga, right? or also something like a little bomb of wisdom for young younger version of yourself in the past. So let's start with the yoga people first. With the yoga,
1: the, the most important thing is to show up. That's, I mean, I think that's life in yeah. general, just show up. Don't worry about being good, don't worry about being bad, don't judge it, just be there. Everyone's a beginner. Uh, uh, there's a, a famous quote by uh, this person, uh,
0: Winnie the Pooh. I thought you just said I need, I need to poo no okay. no Winnie, Winnie the
1: Pooh he's a he's a lovable bear that yeah, likes yeah, honey yeah, um, yeah. Was a one of a quote by him like where where should we start I don't know how about the beginning Yay. and it's it like such a simple idea like we all start at the beginning so right. don't be afraid to be beginner
0: mm.
1: and also a beginner is just a label mm. and only it's only real because you believe it's real perfect uh yeah what was the other question younger version of yourself younger version of myself what would i say to myself as i was younger
0: yeah i just said like what would be your kind of little suggestion or what little like encouragement if if you would be the mentor i told you you never had that mentor when you were younger because mm. it's a weird concept like if you would see yourself just a younger version
1: yeah, I would say get started in yoga earlier. earlier. <laughs> do do whatever you're doing but just do it earlier. Mm-hmm. And then uh invest in the stock market like a long time ago and buy <laughs> Dude, my, my 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 I am not a crypto person. Yeah. But like back when crypto first came out when Bitcoin was a brand new thing my buddy was so into it and he's like trying to get me to buy it. I, this is I'm talking like I don't know, like 2000 and whatever, like whenever like crypto yeah, really yeah. first came out, when you could buy like a coin for like $5. <laughs> like he wanted me to get into it. I would, I should have done that. And then even if I didn't get out until now, I still would have been massively wealthy. But now I would say like cryptos, don't buy it. <laughs> don't buy crypto. Or NFTs. What is, it? what is an NFT anyways? I actually know a lot about this but most people don't
0: and it's don't do it. I was had some uh, friend of mine was telling about NFTs like two hours. I was just sitting there. Yeah. I still don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, so you would tell to a younger version of yourself to get into NFTs. basically. No, I'm just like <laughs> how, how,
1: how to be rich. No, don't get into NFTs. Like I would say crypto, if you're investing back in like 2010, um, <laughs> and then sell like a year ago or whatever it was really yeah high. bro that's what's yeah. up
0: that's what's up <laughs> listen <laughs> good I, advice I, I couldn't even think about better ending there's <laughs> like three or four just amazing points where we could just end the podcast but no, we dragged to the end yeah yeah and then was just like uh, i have nothing to say anymore <laughs> yeah, what do you want just, I, I dropped all the nuggets already exactly but like listen we have to finish with the wait 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 i love this track (laughs) (laughs) thanks my man thank you so much for coming over being here for three hours three hours we did it woo thank you buddy cheers blah blah blah
1: (laughs) Bruno's podcast